Connecting, connecting, streaming. We're sorry. Hey, that was my line. <laughs> yes, we are streaming on YouTube. All right, here we go. Screw you, Stevie. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Streaming live on YouTube and Roku, available as a podcast and enjoyed the world over. And now, here's your host. Hello, this is Grant Leedy. I'm filling in for the uh, fired Stevie Stroh. He will no longer be on this show. He has left us to go to do the Commodore 64 show. So uh, now you're stuck with me. So have fun with the Commodore, Stevie. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How you guys doing? <laughs> no, seriously, Stevie's out uh, doing things with the family. He's uh, being Mr. Mom this weekend. So um, those poor kids. Uh, we'll pray oh, for sorry. Him. Yeah, we'll pray pray for those kids. <laughs> so do you mean uh, the, com- the commode door? <laughs> yeah, so how's everybody doing today? Pretty good. Today's the day that. Um... Bill Gates is, shows up on our show because I texted him and asked him to join us today. <laughs> yeah, I always get those, uh, you know, those guests that just pop in, which uh, makes the show a big hit. <laughs> oh, we'll see what happens. The numbers don't lie. That's true. Whenever I host, the numbers are extremely high. That's because I'm just a better looking guy than Stevie is, but we won't go there today. No, no. <laughs> it's, it's a Bill Gates, not the Bill Gates. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> it's Bill. It's it's Bill, Bill M. Gates from uh, Kentucky, I believe. Oh, oh, great. <laughs> live, live from the Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> sure, you laugh now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have a uh, good panel here today. Uh, we have, uh, we'll go with the, from the bottom, Richard Lorbiaski. What the hell is this icon? Do you want to explain yourself? Oh, it's just, it's just my uh, way of uh, contributing to this dumpster fire of a show. <laughs> Oh, besides, was, we're also live on Roku. I, I have uh, Roku up right now. Oh, oh good. Cool. Thanks. Good to That's know. Richard Thank you very much, Richard. AKA Boyson Tech. Yes. By the way, yeah. By the way, uh, happy belated birthday. Oh. How, how young are you now? Uh, Thirty-one plus twenty-four. <laughs> now, those in, in in decimal or or in hex? Uh, decimal. Okay. What told me there was going to be math on this show? <laughs> Pick a decade you like and stick with it. That's what I would say. Right. Well, I'm glad you made it back from Tandy Assembly. Well, I'm sure the drive back was probably not as fun as the drive there. So. <laughs> no, it was. It was pretty. It was. It was. Uh, it was okay. I mean, yeah, the the it ran into a lot of rain and then uh, got into Texarkana and it started snow flurries and. But none of the snow, none of that stuck, I and mean, I just trudged through and finally got home. Well, good. We're glad you made it back, back, back in one piece. All right, Jason, Coco Man, how are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Did you survive Tandy Assembly all right? I think so. I'm, I'm usually always the last one to know about those things, though. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today, Jason. And then we have Nick from Down Under. He's standing upside down. How are you doing today, Nick? Good day, everyone. Yep. Uh... Yeah, just been sick the last week, so I haven't done much on the cocoa. 
but uh, yeah, getting better now. All right. Well, I hope you continue to feel better. We don't want to, don't want you getting sicker. <laughs> Some say I'm already bad. sick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then we have Rick Adams right above him. Hey, Rick, how you doing today? Hey, just fine. All done with uh, yard work. It's now snowed, so I can't do any more leaves. So, you know, I, I guess I'm going to live. Yeah, but now it's time to get the ladder up and go outside and put those Christmas lights up. Uh, that's already done. So, oh, well, you because once we have one. snow on the roof, <laughs> once we get snow on the roof, I'm not going up there. So I already put those up about a week or so ago. Smart. Oh yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Nick Moroda. Nick Moroda. Nick Moroda is on here. I guess I see that in chat. <laughs> All right, and we have Paul T. <laughs> Paul T. Barton, how are you doing today, Paul? In the dark. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll come back down to him. And then we have D. Bruce Moore from Canada. How are you doing today, Bruce? Not so bad. How's the weather up there? Is it cold? It's cold. Yep. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We passed that on to you, I think. Yeah. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> and then we have Ron DeVoe. Hey, Ron, Hello, how you how's doing? everybody? I'm doing pretty good. Great. I'm sure it's nice and warm down there where you're it's at. It's still right? warm. It gets 74-ish and then uh, drops down to 45-ish. Not bad. Yeah, cool. And then we have Mark Overholzer. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm hanging in there. It's um, sunny and not really warm, but yeah, in the 40s, 50s. Cool. And I see you have the apple in the background. Yep. Oh, it's zone. <laughs> and then uh, we'll say the best for last. Uh, we have L. Curtis Boyle, who will be also co-hosting with me today. Hey, Curtis, how you doing? How's everyone doing here? It's uh, up to 14 degrees Fahrenheit right now, so quite a bit warmer than it was last night. Oh, but, uh, boy. And I actually did Ooh. finally get some stuff done on EOU, so hey. yeah, pretty good week. Cool, Yay. cool. I, so I, before we go on, does anybody have any projects, or uh, do they purchase anything of interest or exciting? No. Well, I can say in my, my case, um, like I said, I did some work on EOU, so uh, Bill did some testing, and I did some testing and stuff too, and we've now got uh, – the boot process fix that you can now have a large graph drive loaded in, which was a problem on the 6809 version especially. It would actually, if you put in drive wire drivers and stuff, it would crash because it ran out of memory trying to load everything up. That is now fixed. It's fixed on the 6309 version, which leaves us room for expansion in the future. And then I've just been going back to trying to find bugs and squash them so we can try to get a much more bug-free release for the end of November. Cool. That's going to be cool. beta 2? Uh, yes. I've been loading uh, pictures into my uh, Nitrous 9 and, um, you know, playing them back, looking at them. And I hit the space bar and I get the palette shift. Shift, yeah. If you're using yeah. view, it will do that, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. I didn't even realize that was a thing. And then if you hit enter, you go through the one by one. Yeah, you can speed and slow down them up too with, what is it, F and S or period and comma? I can't remember. But yeah, you can oh, adjust yeah? the speed of the palette shifting too. No, it's like discovery time. You know, I always find <laughs> new, new things. <laughs> it's cool. Cool. Well, and I, I did get something. I got a couple of things that are kind of exciting. And uh, maybe Nick or somebody will know more about this. I uh, won this in the auction. It is Moby Math. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think know you guys. That, uh, it... here in um, Australia, Tandy um, actually was supporting some local products. Um, so they were, yeah, just getting some programs and uh, having them packaged up. 
and selling them in their stores. So I don't, I don't think that product ever made it to the in the US to Tandy. So that was a Tandy Australia exclusive. And I think uh, along with my back in 86, when Tandy were selling my donut dilemma, they did a similar thing whereby they were promoting the Coco 3 and various programs and um, a lot of the locally produced packages of which mine was one of them. And I think that one was another one as well. So it was just a cheap way of them getting some software bundled in with the uh, computer as well. Did you, did you guys get paid the same as if they were selling it commercially or did you guys get a sort of a discounted uh, well, based on yeah, part of the bundle? I, I think I'm not sure about that Moby math, but I know with my stuff, I had to actually create the packages for Tandy and Tandy just paid me a um, uh, an agreed to amount per copy and, and they would order say you know a thousand copies whatever but I had to actually manufacture the tapes the packaging everything and just send Tandy a box so I, I don't know about Moby Mass but that one there looks like it's a um, a homemade uh, package as well. It's like it doesn't look like it's a commercially produced package, so it's probably the same there. Okay. And when when you became part of a bundle at Tan with Tandy in Australia, was it exclusive? Like you were only allowed to sell it through that bundle, or were you still allowed to sell it on your own? Or oh, they they sold it on their own as well. So uh, individual stores could order the package to have hanging on the wall as well. Okay, but you couldn't sell it yourself like through Rainbow oh, to the they, States people? They didn't stipulate. No, they didn't stipulate any rules. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I was flexible to uh, to sell it. They're, uh, yeah, they're, they're not as, um, I guess, uh, at the same level as what Radio Shack in the US was. They were just sort of doing that uh, as as an Aussie version I just find it amusing that the 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 intertan stuff, which was like Canada and Australia and stuff, seemed to be a bit looser with the strict rules than than yeah, yeah. In the so States. similar similar story to that and encouraged yeah. third party software and hardware. I think more than Tandy in the States did, which if they had done in the States, I think they would have done better. But yeah, neither here nor there. So why did Tandy do that? <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Well, TI and their TI nine nine four A, they were very restrictive with who made software, and you know, in the end run, there's not a lot for it. I mean, there's yep. some, but yeah, just nothing like, you know, the Tandy or the Apple or the Commodore. So. Yep. Cool. Cool. Did anybody else get anything exciting? Or have a project update of some sort? Richard, what did you get from Tandy Sim? You got some cool stuff, I thought, didn't you? Um, yeah, I got some documentations on... Um, there was some sales agreements for a Model 2. The guy uh, signed in. Uh, it was uh, software agreements uh, to have Tandy market their uh, software. I got that and I uh, got a Tandy 2000 cheap and a Model 1 real cheap. I just wanted to get the monitor, but uh, that was about it. Cool. Did you sell a lot of um, one, uh, two meg upgrades? Uh, yes, I did. I sold, uh, how many did I sell? I sold five of them, which I, was, I, I wasn't anticipating selling a whole bunch of them. Uh, only because I was kind of just, I, I really, the, the problem I had with Coco Fest was 
I really got swamped with upgrades and I really didn't get to enjoy the show that much. So I, I kind of stipulated that people needed to contact me in advance to do upgrades. And so, you know, and I purposely did that because I wanted to walk around and I wanted to you know, check the show out. So, and it was also a mixed show, you know, it's not exclusively a Coco show. So I have an acquisition. I did, I did, I did really well. Ron, uh, what did you get? Uh, a telephone? Yes, I was able to find this uh, French um, telephone in a dumpster dive. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So have you plugged it into a modem yet? Not yet. <laughs> it's uh, It's got a strange end on it. Have you guys ever seen this end? Yes. Yeah, it's European. Yeah, it's European. Yes. No, it's well, early no, it's telephone. No, no it was that's, used that's, in the U.S. up until the modular jacks. Yeah, exactly. Was it? Yeah, that's right. up oh, wow. until the seventies. Okay. Yeah, this is a nineteen sixties uh, reproduction of a um, French provincial. <laughs> it weighs oh, about. I have those outlets in my house. Fifteen pounds. Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was what I found in the dumpster. The dumpster. I bet that stunk. The dumps. No, the dumpster at my ma's house is uh, hoity-toity. Oh. <laughs> where, where she lives, uh, I, I found a um, Toshiba TV in there, 23 inch, and it worked. It's in my uh, observatory, so it was good. Looking for Radio Shack stuff now. I, right, I put cool. in my request. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear me now? <laughs> yes, we can hear yeah. you. Okay, well, I I, uh, I picked up a Coco VGA. Haven't had a chance to install that, but then I. Uh, Along with a couple others, we stopped at a local video game store, and I actually found a we found a bunch of Coco ROM packs, and I bought just about every one that they had. How uh, much were they? Two bucks a piece. I got, yeah, that's a good price. I got, so with wow. manuals too, or just the cartridges? Uh, just loose cartridges. Now, Eric Eric Canales picked up a copy of Clowns and Balloons in the box with a manual for two bucks, but uh, wow! Yeah, I got Space Assault, Pinball. Dawn Pan, Color Cubes, Backgammon, Checkers, uh, Bridge Tutor. Uh, what is this one? This is Dragonfire. Why can't we with, see you? Because oh, I'm on my phone. And oh. um, and then I got a copy of uh, Shooting Gallery, which there's a picture of this on the Coco uh, Facebook group, but Shooting Gallery was just a plain white label on it and dot matrix print. So that was kind of unique. <laughs> But for two dollars, hey, can't beat it. Yeah, that's a pretty good haul. Yeah, great job. Yeah, that is. I should have went. Darn it, <laughs> Bruce. You you had something was... you were about to say too, or? Yeah. Well, just uh, uh, Jacob, uh, my son had a day off school yesterday, and he spent it all day playing Pop Star Pilot. <laughs> he got to level five, but didn't complete. But I'm happy to say that today he did complete and see the finale screen. And... Oh, cool. Know, did you get a badge or something? He's one that? of the few then. Yeah. Wow. Maybe there's a That's mug. Yeah. Buy that kid a Coco 3. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, how many people have actually completed it now, do you think? Uh, I only know two or three. <laughs> well, three so, for sure, uh, you, me, and, and now Jacob, but I thought yeah. somebody else had done it too at some point. So so uh, I was just stepped out for a sec. Um, did you say uh, Jacob made it to the end of five? Yeah. Uh, there you go. Hours ago, yeah. He's uh, he has video evidence and everything. So all right, cool. Yeah. Oh, let's show us that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. 
Rick, did you have any uh, updates you wanted to inform us about? Uh, just working on my little example uh, 6309 program uh, that someday is going to be uh, uh, Temple of Rum 2, or at least so I fervently hope. Uh, I'm just taking it real slow and and uh, had a lot of problems and solved them. And, you know, uh, I was get, calling a joystick routine and a keyboard routine in the ROMs and having a lot of trouble with that. I was able to do that fine for uh, Temple of Rom in Shanghai, but for, for this, it kept the video get kept getting out of sync and weirding out. And I was curious as to why that was. I knew I could solve it by simply, you know, don't call a ROM, ROM routine, but I was just kind of curious as to why that wasn't working. Well, nobody was really curious about that. They're just like, look, just quit calling the ROM routine so that we don't have to listen to you whine about this anymore. <laughs> so I finally gave up and, and did that. So nobody cares. So, uh, so now it's working just fine. And, and a lot faster, uh, too. So right? now, oh, a lot faster, yeah. So uh, here's my uh, my mad scientist laboratory. I'll slowly pan over uh, to, this is what the program's doing now. And those those green lines track the joystick. So the, I've got the joystick pointed to the lower left. And if I you know had a third hand, I would reach down and you know, wiggle the joystick and make those lines follow the joystick. So uh, eventually all the little dots are probably going to be independently bouncing around the screen. And, you know, I'm just having fun at this point. And, cool. you know, but eventually I'm going to start building on this. And, you know, so uh, I need to get a simpler URL for my GitHub so people can look in on this, you know, with a, a URL that I can actually tell you on the <laughs> channel without having to say unpronounceable words. Yeah, I'd have to spell it out, and I'm not even sure that I could do that. So, uh, <laughs> so we'll get to that. Now, right now, you're kind of learning both some Cocoa 3 stuff you, you're more advanced than you got into back <clears throat> when you did Shanghai. And then you're also exactly. learning the 6309 at the same time. So what's your opinion of the 6309 so far from your delving into it? Well, it's my first reaction was, oh, my goodness, this is Christmas. Look at all these extra registers, you know. Uh, but as I'm, I keep going, it's like, it, it does have a slight advantage with the extra registers, but it's not as much as you might expect. Um, the big plus is just the 10% speed that you get for, you know, speed boost that you get for free just because it runs faster. Um, so I'm not as impressed with it as I was at first, but I'm, I'm still impressed. Okay. Yeah, because we've got Nick's uh, <clears throat> kind of opinion on that as he's been working on stuff. And of course, mine's been kind of tainted by working on it for 25 years, but... Right. And and Chet, I know, really likes the chip, too, and he's been talking about that'll be later in the news section. But I just was wondering what your opinion mm -hmm. was uh, since you've been kind of going through it for the first time. Right. And, you know, just the, the, the extra instructions will get you some speed, uh, but not as much as I thought. So, you know, it, it, I mean, I'll take it. That's, that's great. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's like about a that part itself is about maybe to be totally generous. It would be like a, about a, about a 5% speed boost. And I don't even think it's that, I mean, you know, if it's 2%, it's like, shoot, we'll take it, you know, but, uh, but mainly the big, the big, uh, uh, you know, juice of the whole thing is just, uh, you know, the clock speed runs faster and that's a, that's kind of a big deal. So I could run native mode, Get the 10%, you know, speed, 
and not use any 6309 instructions at all and be quite happy. But, uh, you know, but you can't get more. And I suppose if you really think in 6309, uh, you know, you could use the, the extra instructions and the extra uh, registers more to your advantage than I'm doing at my level of, of expertise. Yeah, because I have to say, like, going through Nitrous 9, I mean, we've got, I'd probably say, an average of a 30 to 40% speed increase, and there's certain routines that are literally three to four times faster because of all the extra registers and TFM and et cetera, et cetera. So. Right. I was really expecting it to be more of a, uh, you know, more of a boost than it was for me. So, you know, so there's the two sides of it. Yeah, I, th well, I think I think you'll find it'll in increase in speed as you learn more of it and get more familiar with it, some of the tricks you can do with extra registers and stuff too. So. Yep, that it's, is quite it, possible. It's important to note that it actually doesn't increase the clock speed at all. The clock speed doesn't change. It's the same. It's just uh, it can execute uh, all the instructions in less cycles. So it's uh, more efficient, you could say, rather than actually faster. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of the TFM instruction solely because it is very compact. It's very fast. To do the equivalent on a 6809 requires lots of lines to do a um, stack blasting and all that. And then, you know, it works. It comes pretty close, but it just complicates the code. And, you know, you want to do changes. It's a, it's a lot of mucking around. TFM is just so simple. Yeah. That really and is. The, yeah, that, that one instruction is sort of the star on top of the Christmas tree. Yeah, 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 that 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 instruction alone is a big plus. It also allows interrupts to operate during the TFM execution as well. Whereas if you have interrupts, if you're using a stack blast, interrupts can interfere depending on what registers you use. Um, right. You, they, they, it does muck up your registers, but TFM seems to happen. Interrupts happen. Um, seamlessly, you know, invisibly. Mm -hmm. So, it and then we have the, that. So, as game designers, we also have the additional, you know, problem that not everybody has a sixty-three hundred nine. So it's like, do yeah. you want to restrict it to just, uh, you know, to just the elite people, or to everybody? So I, I still view this as the chicken and the egg thing. It's just like you know, five twelve. Yeah, nobody has five twelve. Nobody has a Coco three. So do you just write Coco one two right. games and just ignore the rest of the market? I, <laughs> well, the the thing is that the market here is so small that it really actually doesn't matter a whole lot. So, yeah. you know, it's not like I'm going to get rich off this. So. I also think once we get a couple of good games for it, like you're working on one, Nick's working on one, Chet's working on one, I think the sales of six or nine is a pickup. When they see some of the stuff you can do that you can't do on the regular thing, and now we've got people like Richard and, and Mark that can do the upgrades for you if you're not a hardware solder type guy that wants to try to take out a 40-pin chip and put it in the socket. <laughs> I think it yeah, quite a bit getting the, the sales up. That was a problem we hit with Nitrous Nine, and we had to try to, you know, steer people towards Cloud Nine's table even back in the '90s to do the upgrades because I can't do it. Bill could do it, but it would take too long, and he was, you know, trying to man the booth and stuff. So, I think it's worth it to get a sixty-three hundred nine just for the fact that it runs, uh, you know, not as hot as a sixty-eight hundred nine. So I think you're going to get more life out of that chip. Yeah, it's one tenth the power draw, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so that's cool. that was the exact same reason. Yeah, even to last as long as even if I never used. Yeah, even if I never used the instruction set, you know, it would be worth it would be worth it just for that. 
Well, you can always release things are getting older. You can always release a six eight oh nine version that might be a bit more cut, a bit cut down to the original as well. But you know, it, it, it's like um, Curtis was saying, chicken and egg. You know, if no one uses it, no one's gonna. You know, what's the the point? Um, you're not going to um, entice people to move across. So, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to do a six three oh nine version, uh, the best I I can do, and then I'll look at converting back converting a few of the routines back to 6809 and it may mean i have to sacrifice parts of the game to make it run at the speed i need it under a 6809 but you know you still do have the option of making a 6809 version right i'm using sorry i'm using a conditional assembly so i can do a 6809 version and i can do a 6309 version and I can run one after the other, and I can tell that the 6309 one is, is slightly faster. Yeah. But it's a lot of trouble to put in all of that uh, conditional assembly all over the place, and it breaks up the code. Yeah. And I'm, not really, I'm not really feeling it. I'm not, you know, I'm not really a fan of that. But, no. but, you know, so I don't know whether I want to keep doing all the conditional assembly or just, say, fan it and go with 6809 or 6309. So I'm really undecided about that. So this is sort of a an adventure for me, and I'm learning things. Uh, so and that's just going to continue. And and that's exactly where I was too. I mean, I did start doing conditional assembly, but it just got too complicated and and all that. So in the end, I yeah. thought I'll just do a six three hundred nine version. It's not as if I'm using a lot of the six three hundred nine instructions. Um, I mean native mode you can just turn that off bang there it is 6809 compatible but instructions like the tfm wherever i use that in the code i can come back later and recompile re or redo the program taking out just those bits and uh creating a 6809 stack blast or whatever equivalent and uh you know, have to tailor the the program depending on what the speed drop will be. Try to to make up the speed as best I can. But yeah, that'll be that'll be after the final six three oh nine version is done. I want people to come along with me, you know, on this and and watch over my shoulders. Uh, but I'm going to have to put a link to my GitHub on a more sensibly named website. You know, at rickadams.org. So I could put a link on that. So I'm going to do that today, put a link on that to my GitHub. Because if I tell people where my GitHub is, it's, you know, it's github.com slash radio. You know, it's like, what is that? How do you spell that? Can't you sign up for like a tiny URL or something? Uh, oh, I'm sure I could. Yeah. And or uh, just start up another GitHub with, you know, called Rick Adams, you know. Oh, that's too simple. <laughs> <laughs> that's just what they'll be expecting. The real Rick Adams. No, you need, to, you need to call it Scott. The real Adams. Rick Adams, Everybody yeah. There's too many Rick Adams, it's true. <laughs> All right, guys, I think we're going to take a little commercial break here, yep. and we're going to talk Yay. about Tandy Assembly follow-up. So I know that uh, Jason's going to be uh, leaving us here shortly, and so will Richard, and we want to get the Tandy Assembly portion in. Jason, look in the rearview mirror. There's a cop behind you. You're going to get pulled over. <laughs> All right. All right, we're going to take a commercial break, uh, and we'll be back here in just a couple minutes. 
We'll return after these messages. Hi, I'm Bruce Moore, and this is... Jacob Moore. gotcha? And we are the Forest of Doom guys, and the Coco Forever guys, and we are at Coco Fest, and we love Stevie Strobe. What if? Knowing what I know now, I could go back in time, join Tandy Corporation, and change the course of history. Coco forever. Hey, what's going on everybody? It's me, it's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay. To get your copy of a Gameplay Goodness gameplay. Color Computer Gaming DVD today, gameplay. head on over to 8bit256.com. There you will find several DVDs featuring Color Computer Gameplay videos by the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. So to get your very own copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com and tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack TRS-80 put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The color computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 color computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. We now return you to Coco Talk. All right, guys, welcome back. Okay, so uh, last weekend, a uh, few of us, uh, Richard, myself, and uh, Coco Man, Jason, uh, we went to uh, Tandy Assembly, and I just wanted to kind of wrap up the show and just kind of get the last uh, departing messages that everybody had and. Overall, for me, I think it was an excellent show. I had a better time. Had a lot better time this year because Stevie wasn't there to harass me. And plus, I had Jason there with me. Which Coco Man's a lot funner to hang out with than Stevie is, too. So, <laughs> And Richard, too. Don't forget about Richard. Even though he's a dumpster fire. That's right. Don't forget about me. So, anyways, what was... Uh, so, Jason, what do you think about the show? Any parting thoughts uh, you wanted to wrap up with on that? Hey, you know what? Kudos to the group of folks who put that together. That was a great show. I I enjoyed the heck out of it. I just I had I had a great time, and uh, I had a better time than I had last year because I didn't hear about it till a week after it happened. As I've said many times before, but uh, no, I had a great time. It's a it's a great facility. Uh, has a nice restaurant there too. I mean, I was I was very happy with the venue. Very happy with the show. A lot of great folks there. I was it was really nice to meet a lot of people. I haven't met. Um, had 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 some people come up to me that knew who I was that I, I hadn't met before. So it was nice to meet some of the folks that uh, have uh, seen the show and everything. And uh, uh, I, it was a blast. I can't wait to do it again next year. What was the highlight of the show for you? Was it meeting Stuart Chaffee? Oh, my picture with Stuart Chaffee. I think that's that's got to be. It's up there. That's uh, 
<laughs> yeah, because that was that was a that was a, that was a very time sensitive issue because he gave his uh, what keynote at ten. He was there from like ten to eleven, and by noon he was gone. So I, uh, but a real nice fellow. I I enjoyed meeting him, and uh, that was really cool. I uh, did you get a chance to actually talk to him for a bit too, or did you just get a picture taken with him quickly? Uh, I, I I did get to chat with him for a few minutes, and I got the picture, and I. There was other people who wanted to talk to him, so I, I you know, I let everybody get a little bit of time there. But that was, uh, he, he gave a great keynote. There's some uh, copies of it up there on YouTube. Uh, there's quite a few of us that uh, sat there the whole time and held our phones. And uh, so it's out there if anybody wants to watch it. He gave a really interesting keynote also. <laughs> Ken can make it. Jason is famous now. Can I be your entourage? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I'm uh, a hunterage. <laughs> hey, just you know, what, what can I, uh, what can I say? A legend in my own mind. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Jason. I think this year was definitely a better year for them. Uh, the facility was awesome. I mean, it was nice to be in the same building as the hotel, and plus the restaurant was there. Plus, there was a bar there too. So if you wanted to, you know, socialize after the show, you could do so. Um, I mean, it was awesome. I, I just, um, there's not really much more that I can really think of that they can really approve on. I mean, it, it was a big hit. And I do believe they beat last year's attendance, even though with the later November date. So, uh, in my opinion, you know, we were all kind of worried about, you know, November, two weeks before Thanksgiving, you know, that's going to be an issue. I I think they, they it was a success because they had more people show up here, even with the November date, than uh, last year. So, in my opinion, if they move back to October, I think it'll be even a bigger show. So, yeah, and I, again, kudos goes out to uh, uh, Mark and the team for uh, putting on the show. They did an awesome job. So, yeah, it sounds like the venue they picked here is kind of like the ones we used to have for Coco Fest, Rainbow Fest, back more in the heyday, where you had you know everything in one building. Like you, you had the little bar, you had the built-in restaurant where we can meet for breakfast or supper or whatever, and let everybody wandering off to different parts. Yeah, and, and even the city, and was, everybody was kind of worried about Springfield, Ohio, you know, because nobody knew anything about it. Honestly, you know, uh, and Jason can test this too, once we actually started going, trying to find places to go out to eat, that town is actually a pretty good size. You know, they they have a Best Buy, they have, uh, you know, a lot of good eating places. I mean, they even had a Rooters for the people that, were, that went with us last year. Roosters. Uh, yeah, roosters. Yeah, roosters. They even had left turn lanes, which I was really impressed, and, and traffic lights. <laughs> and and, uh, and and two count them two precious big boys. Yeah, wow. And uh, <laughs> I feel very fortunate that it's, it's so relatively close to me. In the I mean, there are a few fellows that are a little closer, but I mean, three and a half four hours away is a no-brainer for me. But on top, you know, just on top of that, that's just the icing on the cake. I mean, I would I would I would drive I would drive you know the eight hours or you know the distance to Chicago to go to something like this. It was a, it was a great show, great experience. Would that be a chocolate cake? You know, whatever kind of <laughs> whatever kind of cake you like, whatever your favorite kind of cake is, you put the frosting on it. That's the analogy. Mm. It, but it was also really cool to see some of these other handy computer products. You know, I'm you know I'm basically a cocoa guy, and uh, you know I really had I hadn't had much interaction with the TRS eighty model one two three four type computers there. It was even cool that I got to see someone running, uh, you know, uh, Nick's Donut Dilemma on a 
on one of the TRS-80 computers. So that was that was really cool. And uh, some of that stuff I'd never seen before, other than in catalogs and magazines and stuff. And uh, you know, uh, PD 2000. And it was a lot of neat stuff to look at that I'd never seen before, uh, at least in person. Yeah, it's definitely a good show. Richard, what do you think? Any parting thoughts? Uh, I, I'm just basically chiming in what everybody else said. It was a really, really good show, and the venue was much better than compared to last year's. Uh, ran smoothly, plenty of room. That's what I really liked. It was a much bigger room. So there was a lot more You know, people can, can uh, get around, especially with us. We were in the inner tables. Last year it was very hard to, to really do anything uh, because the tables were too close uh, together. But this case, a uh, lot of room. Uh, the only thing that I hope they change it is the venue needs to go back to October. Uh, November, it's, it's, getting, it's too cold. Uh, when I was traveling, I was really worried about the snow, and I had missed, you know, luckily I missed most of that. I heard the power was better, too. Yes, the yes, power yes. is much, much better. Uh, what, from what they I'm hearing... Hi- they hi- from what I'm hearing, are I'm we sorry. hearing that maybe it's going to be an October date next year, or that's what they're shooting for? Yeah, uh, my understanding was as soon as this uh, event uh, concluded, they were going to immediately uh, sign a contract and lock in that October date. So that's that was my understanding. And just to let you know on the power thing, uh, over last year, they actually hired a professional crew to come in and delay the power strips and the plugs and everything, uh, which which I thought was awesome. So. Yeah, by the time we got in there, there were, all the cords were down. There was gaffers tape. It was uh, that 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 was great. I mean, uh, the only problem I had was with my banner falling off the wall constantly. But that's, that's my own fault. <laughs> yeah, Neil mentioned that too. Yeah, it, 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 became, it became like an entertainment thing. See how long my banner sticks to the wall. And uh, but uh, and uh, you know, thanks to uh, Paul Fiscarelli for the for the tape. Uh, you know, the tape and the uh, added entertainment. <laughs> yes, so, so I was going to ask all you guys too, like as, as far as being vendors, as opposed to just you know attending the show and seeing everything and and all the you know cool speakers, etc. How was it as as vendors go? Not just you know power setups, but how were sales? Uh, how was the interest in your products? That kind of thing, because it is a mixed show. Well, as far as you know, my stuff, I just have the two products. You know, I have the switcheroo, which uh, a lot of I think a lot of people that have them, one of them have them already. But I, you know, I. Uh, I sold like half of those that I brought with me and uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, I, I talked to quite a few people that ha- had already bought them and, and uh, liked them. So it was always good to hear from people who enjoyed something that I've made. And uh, seems to be a lot of interest in the, uh, the, the Wallaby cable also. That was the new thing for this show. So when the, when the check clears, then uh, you send in the other half of the cable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's a, that's a cables cables as a service. <laughs> what is a wallaby cable? <laughs> a, a wallaby cable. Wallaby. Well, it's wallaby, but the Y is capitalized, so it's wallaby dash cable. It is a Coco three RGB Y cable. And uh, I had I generally had a uh, positive response to that. A lot of that was I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but I want one. And. Uh, and RGB Y cable? How does that work? It just uh, comes off the RGB port, uh, and then out uh, you have uh, then you have two uh, ten pin receptacles uh, uh, on the outside there, and uh, 
a lot of people, a few people are getting it for, well, that way I can switch monitors without having to unplug my multi-pack and flip my cocoa over. And I, I use mine just when I'm building switcheroos to test them without having to flip the whole cocoa three over. Very, very simple. Um, they'll be, they'll be on cocoman.biz here uh, within the next week or so. I just haven't had time to add them. Yeah, I, I used his, uh, I had the Wallaby cable, I had a, a CM8, and then I also had an HDMI running together. So yeah, it was it was useful for me. I, I highly recommend it. I'm interested. Yeah, I can see where just getting that connector out from underneath the cocoa would be handy. Well, that too. Yeah. So Richard, how was it for you uh, since you were a vendor? It did sales go well? Were you swamped? Were you perfectly, or were you dead? What? Oh no, no. I, I was. I would say it was just right because I. I um, again, I did not really. Uh, I, I asked everybody to, you know, in advance to let me know that they were going to bring their upgrades and stuff. So I was prepared for it, and uh, I had a lot more time to to walk around and talk to people and really enjoy the show and get to see, you know, some of the speakers, especially Stuart Chaffee and, uh, and participate and to go out to dinner and lunch and, and things like that. So I really, really liked it. And as far as sales, um, I, I didn't really, ex you know, I, I was kind of concerned since it, the, the venue was moved to uh, November instead of October. Uh, I, I had really set my goals or sales kind of low and I was uh, I was surprised that it, it did very well. Uh, I had brought only five uh, boomerang uh, upgrades, and I sold them all off. You know, at the final the final day. So I, I'm quite happy. Yeah, one other thing too I'll mention that was really nice about this uh, show was the uh, speakers were not back to back. You actually had uh, you know about an hour break between each little event yeah. in the other room. Yeah. So that helped. So therefore, you could still participate with the exhibitors and stuff, and still go to all the uh, speakers if you so choose to do so. Yeah. I, if nice. it if it's held again next year in Springfield, I mean, because it's it's a long ride uh, ride for me. I I would definitely go. It was it was a well well oiled uh, production. I really uh, you know hats off to uh, uh, Myro and everybody else who had uh, put the uh, show together. It was really good. I will definitely return uh, next year. Hey Richard, in your uh, long time at uh, Radio Shack, did you also fix um, you fixed you know like two handy one thousands and different other machines i mean were you able to pick up any business from the one three four two thousand one thousands you know a couple of people asked me about doing some of those and the and the problem is it's been years since i really worked on any of that stuff and my my component level experience is basically limited to the model two three the coco uh some of the earlier models uh when i worked you know and, and much of that was when i worked at tandy uh, computer assembly in the factory. When I moved over to Radio Shack, uh, the problem is there are so many products that we have to support. And so there's really not a whole lot of time uh, to troubleshoot them down to component level. Most of it was board swapping and, of course, aligning and adjusting. So, um, again, I really, you know, it, you know, some, you know, one guy wanted me to repair a Tandy 600, and I never 
got to repair one. I mean, it, it there wasn't that many that were sold. It was really a, a, a kind of a flop. And so I just, I, you know, unless I have a service manual, then I'd have to like try to figure it out. But there was one guy that was actually doing model 100 repairs and he was very knowledgeable about the stuff. Uh, I can't remember his name right offhand, but he was, he was crossed from me. Um, if somebody remembers him, he was, he was between uh, Coco man and uh, Jim brain. I do not remember his name. I bet do you, Jason, I, I don't remember his name, but I bet Jim would know. Yeah. But yeah, he was, he was a really cool guy. But uh, again, I, I'm definitely going to go uh, back to Tandy assembly. Uh, a whole, even if the, even if they had it, held it in November, I would still try to, make it but i would rather it be in october cool and then one, and I think that's what the, one the big burning is, so. question i have is that that one guy brought the whole u-haul full of stuff and there were he was trying to get it all sold before he left uh i don't think we ever really heard did it go in the auction did he manage to sell it off to fire sale prices did he have to haul it all back what happened what happened with that i think that's why he has a dumpster fire on there <laughs> no i i think what you're talking about is uh, the guy from uh digital dinos uh tom mccready or i you know i'm not i'm terrible with names right now but he had uh he had only bought two booths and then he bought such a truckload of stuff and but they were able to set up most of it and he had a lot of stuff for sale and but some of his some of his stuff was set too high i mean the thing is this, you know, the, the people that attended the show uh, are, uh, I, I consider sophisticated people, you know, uh, they, they're not, they're not casual users, end users. These people are very knowledgeable about the equipment. They're also very knowledgeable about what prices are going for on eBay and other places and, 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 and the condition of the Tandy equipment, because he was trying to sell Cocos as is for anywhere from 50 to $70. And it wasn't worth it to me and most people. And so they remained unsold. And uh, at the end, he had, you know, he had them and I offered him $50 for all of them. And he, he countered with 100 and I just told him no. And he wasn't too happy about it. But, you know, I just said, this is what they're worth to me. You know, because, again, it, these are untested uh, and, and they weren't in very good shape. But I'm pretty sure it's probably worth fifty dollars a piece if they're in decent shape and working. But yeah, right. No, these were pretty rough shape. Yeah, these were really bad shape. These were Coco ones and twos. These were not Coco threes or you know one of kind or anything like that. Especially you know when they were going for. I mean, I got one of the Coco twos in the auction for twenty one dollars. You know, which was in excellent shape. You know. Yeah. So. And I got a Coco two out of the auction for fifteen. It doesn't have the keyboard, but. It had everything else, and it works. So, and that fellow had so much stuff with him. He bought his own shelves. It was yeah, yeah. I I got I got a model one from him, and I got a Tandy two thousand. I got the Tandy two thousand for forty bucks, as is. I didn't have any cards in it, and all I care about is taking the, the disc drives out of it. And uh, I haven't set it up yet, but uh, I'm I'm just gonna probably strip that Tandy two thousand apart. And then the, the Model 1 was basically something I, I was going to use as a repair guide. Plus, if you're bringing that much stuff, you're probably saturating the local market. You know, if you want to really want to move it, you got to price it so it's going to move. 
Right. Well, he, yeah. he started to, you know, towards the end of the show. And uh, again, you know, and, and one guy bought out all of his Tandy 2000 stuff. I, I had, I had, and, 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 and right at the end, I found a Tandy 2000 service manual. And I was like, oh my God, where was this? <laughs> and I offered him five bucks and he was going to take that. But, you know, the, the other guy already bought it. So, and he didn't want to, he didn't want to sell it off. So I was out of luck, but I did get a model four service manual uh, for $10. I'm surprised we don't have most of that as PDF somewhere on the internet. I'm, I'm sure it is, but it's, it's kind of cool to have it, you know, in a physical format because you could flip around it much faster than PDF. So well, true. And, and Paul, Paul Fitzarelli is on, uh, joined us now. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Hey guys, how's it going? Hey, como está? Doing well. Yeah, so, we're just uh, so wrapping up Tandy Assembly. Yeah, I, I heard, and I was uh, just jumping in. I heard uh, you guys talking about uh, Tom McLaren and uh, digital dinos. And uh, Curtis, I think he probably sold about 60%, uh, 60% plus of what he brought with him. He did a really good job. I mean, um, yeah, there was a there was a lot of stuff there, and a lot of it was in um, poor condition. But uh, he started to discount uh, as it got closer to the end, I ended up picking up a model two from him, which I had on my buy list for a while, as well as a model two, another model 2000 and, uh, just some parts and stuff and, uh, looking to restore those, but, um, I already got the 2000 up and running and, uh, started to work on the model two. So it wasn't gear that was, you know, completely destroyed or not usable, but, uh, you know, he was asking high prices to begin with and the people that were there, um, you know, most folks, as uh, Richard said, um, that you know they're pretty savvy uh, buyers and they know exactly what things are worth. Um, so I think people shied away at, f at first, but as stuff started to go, he started uh, you know discounting a little bit, and uh, you know some people got some decent deals on stuff. No oh, good. I had a six thousand once. I really re regret having let that go. That's the uh, uh, ultimate uh, model two, twelve, sixteen. After the 16, it was the 6,000, and that had the 68,000 processor, coprocessor board, and, you know, maxed memory and everything. And at this yeah, point... He, he had he had one of those for sale. The 6,000? Yep. He did. Yep. He, he pretty much had uh, almost one of every of the earlier models of the uh, TRS-80 line of computers. Better than Here's me. Jim Paul. <laughs> How did your ban how well did your banner stay up on the wall? I got a lot of I got a lot of about <laughs> so, my down. So I know you're driving, but I posted a posted a, a, a note just a few minutes ago about uh, the hourly re-raising of the banners as a new tradition for Tandy Assembly. Uh, because the, the duct tape <laughs> I brought was pretty sturdy duct tape and it still wasn't up to the task of keeping those on the wall uh, for any extended period of time. I've already purchased command hooks and put them in with my banner, so I'll, I'll have cool. them. Yeah, I think those will probably work a little bit better. I think those will probably stick a little bit better. Yeah, but thing so, is to, what we'll have to do now, though, is put some, some motorized with cables so the banner can fall once an hour and then raise back up again. <laughs> you don't want to pull tape off the wall and then pull the, pull the um, wallpaper off. That would be terrible expensive the the command hooks are designed to be temporary attachments that's what uh, steve bjork uses yeah. yeah so paul what was your uh, overall feeling of tandy assembly since uh so from last year yeah, to this year so i pose so a couple things with it i think for me um you know knowing what to expect and getting there and you know kind of getting settled in quickly 
um, definitely helped. And overall, my experience, uh, I was much happier with this year's Tandy Assembly than last year. Nothing bad last year, but uh, my overall experience um, was pretty good. Um, I didn't bring my son with me this year, um, and he was six last year. So not having him with us, I mean, I think it probably freed me up to do a little bit more than I did the last time. So I think that probably helped to some degree. But overall, I think... Uh, as you guys had already mentioned, the venue was incredible. I really liked the venue. Um, and, uh, you know, having access to all the amenities was really nice. Um, you know, it, it just, it just seemed to flow a little bit better than what we had last year. So overall, my experience was, I, I really liked it. I'm looking forward to next year again already. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, if they continue with this, this, uh, venue and, uh, are able to push it back to October, then, uh, it's going to garner much more success. Um, even with, you know, the numbers of folks that didn't make it this year that were there last year, I think we still surpassed the attendance numbers. So if those folks, for whatever reason, are able to make it next year and we still get that uh, continued success of people that are repeats, um, I think this this event will continue to grow. I think last year was the first one, right? It was. Yeah, so probably you're, now you're picking up people that have heard about it that didn't hear about it last year, and now they're finding out what it is and showing up. So, yeah, maybe. Yeah, there were there was a couple vendors that didn't make it this year that were there last year, and I'm not sure why. Um, one of the big ones was uh, Alan Hightower because he had the complete Tandy uh, PC line, um, and he had that huge display. Uh, but there was, a, I think there was one or two others, but, um, you know, some of the big people that couldn't make it this year, obviously Stevie, uh, John Linville wasn't there, Boise Pete wasn't there. And I think, you know, next year um, having them there will you know, definitely help, uh, help with the help with the event and make it a much more enjoyable event as well. I was not there. Uh, oh, that's right. right. I you weren't there. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't even see you there. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. No, you, no, no, that's fine. Uh, I, I was there last year. It was a really great show. I really wanted to go this year, but last year it cost me like about $900 because it's like uh, two states away from me sure. and I'm driving and I have to stay an extra two nights because I can't do it all in one you know shot, uh, the, the trip. So it was just too expensive, but boy, I did want to be there. Yeah. And I can, I can definitely relate to that. Um, uh, it, for me, it was, um, you know, I didn't make Coco Fest, so I made it a point to make Tandy Assembly. I'm hoping to make Coco Fest, but, you know, two a year, it, it does, it's it's kind of costly. I mean, it, it's something that's not insignificant for most folks. So um, if it's one that, if it's a situation where you have to choose one or the other, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have um, a frame of reference on the, the later Coco Fest. Again, I haven't been to a... Uh, a fest event for the Coco since Rainbow Fest back in 87 in Princeton, New Jersey. So, but uh, I'm definitely going to try to make Coco Fest this year and, uh, just so I have that as a comparison. Um, you know, hey, hey to... Paul. Yeah. Do you Go have, uh, do you have other than just Coco? Do you have any model fours ones or anything? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a pretty, I, I've got a lot, a lot of gear, probably more than I should have. Um, I've got a uh, few model threes, model four. I just picked up the model two got a model a uh, couple model 2000s i've got the cocos i got mc10s um and on the other side i've got commodores i've got ataris i've got um some of the older 8-bit systems um i've got some mitz altair i've got the imsa 8080 uh i've got i've got a lot of legacy stuff um some k pro um some compact 
uh, I've got a lot of stuff. It's just crazy. Uh, I, I just, I was going through it the other day and I just can't believe how much I've collected over the most, uh, over the few last few years. No, 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 like no. Yours in a garage too, like, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. like runs? <laughs> so most of it runs actually and that that's the you know it's one of those things where my goal is not just to have it but to have it and play with it so uh part of the joy that i get from the collecting is actually restoring and getting things running and uh, actually one of the things that i just dug out that i've been playing with is the um vectrex and that's because of the uh the last couple of episodes that we've had and i uh, love playing with that thing so um but again the, the fun for me is you know getting this stuff up and running playing with it um and it just just enjoying the nostalgia of you know when i was growing up so not yeah but not only do you have the machines but having software for it also takes up space <laughs> yeah to some degree um for for a lot of the systems i've been uh, I do have some of the the legacy storage, but for like the Model Three and Four, I just picked up. Uh, well, I've I've got the Fred device that I picked up for me and Maverick uh, a year or so ago. Um, at the show, I also picked up a Mies, which is Peter Bartlett's um, storage um, device, uh, and it also has uh, the uh, the network interface on it as well. So I'm looking forward to playing with that. Uh, the Atari and the Apple stuff that I have, I've got some um, some uh, uh, SD card uh, storage options for those as well. So um, having those definitely is a huge help of not having to rely on legacy discs and tapes and that sort of thing. And that's what's good about uh, Tandy Assembly is um, when people go there, they get excited. And you could actually, if you just have a piece of the hardware, you can get into the software right away, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. yep. If you got a Model 4 back in the past, you'd have to go hunting for a floppy somewhere. Yeah. Um, if you touch base, if folks do have those systems, if you touch base with uh, the trash talkers, um, Pete Satinsky and even Ma Ian Maverick, uh, Randy Kindig and Pete Bartlett, um, they're usually more than happy to set you up with any media that you need for those. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, Pete is uh, going to put together some discs for me once I get this Model 2 up and running, um, some 8-inch floppies so I can get that booted and uh, start playing around with that. I've got a bunch of the software for the well, some of the software, at least for the two that uh, works that I've been running up on MAME. Okay. Um, so if you've got a way of transferring that somehow to the actual media, if you're missing something, maybe I can get you at least an image of it. It'll be up to you to figure out how to write it to a physical disc, though. Yeah, that, that, with the Model 2, that's a little bit of a challenge because of the 8-inch floppies, if there's a way that I can possibly transfer it over. But I'll, I'll figure something out with those. You know that you can... Uh, the, the five and a quarter inch high density floppies yep. are electrically in many ways equivalent to the eight inch floppy. Yep. Uh, and you can rewire those, you can do an adapter, you can rewire a five and a quarter inch high density to function as if it's an eight inch double sided disc. Sure. Cool. It sounds like uh, the show was a great success. It sounds like uh, almost every well, everybody that we've heard from so far has basically said it was better than than last year. So, which you know isn't uh, a knock on last year. Last year was the very first one they ever did, so they were kind of just learning as they went. So, but it sounds like a very successful show, and uh, everybody wants to go back. So that's that's good news. Yeah, it was yeah. Curtis. And the the only thing that I'm curious about is you know. To me, you know, last year was a little, or this year was a little bit better than last year. Uh, how do they, how do they measure up next year? How do they continue with that success? I mean, that's a challenge for them. You know, they did a great job, you know, getting, um, you know, uh, uh, Stuart Chaffee in as a keynote um, this year. And, you know, um, 
Don French last year. And, you know, who do they, who do they get next year to, <laughs> to do that? Even that, I mean, that, that's a challenge. So um, the committee definitely has, you know, some work cut out for them, but, you know, I'm sure that they'll rise to the challenge. They're doing a great job with it. Well, I was going to, I was going to share one of the photos that I took at uh, a Jim, Jim brains uh, booth here. So uh, let's see if I can do this. What, while you're doing that, Jason said he has to go, and I just wanted to thank Jason and those others that uh, took the time to video at the show yesterday or last week and share that with us. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. But uh, yep, I got to run. It's been great, and I'll catch everybody next week. Thanks, right. Jason. Later, Jason. Bye, Jason. Take care, Jason. All right, nice airport shot here. Uh, no, that's not the airport. That's the booth of uh, Jim Brain's uh, Retro Innovations. This is uh, warranty service. <laughs> <laughs> the line? Please yeah. take a number. <laughs> take a number. Uh, that's funny. Actually, I think that's <laughs> returns, isn't it? Well, he does warranty and returns. Uh, and, and it was kind of cool, you know, a lot of people were up there. I was able to sh uh, save a lot of shipping from uh, the, the DAP boards I've been sending out. Uh, I was able to uh, put, a, you know, put the replacement boards uh, into a lot of hands for people up there. Even though there wasn't a line like that, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wish them all the continued success, and it sounds like they're definitely on the a, a great track, you know, improving year to year. If you can do it again next year. It should be a great show. If they can move it a bit earlier for a lot of people, you know, with American Thanksgiving being so close, I think that would help too. So, yeah, and I think they will. I think they definitely will. So, well, thanks for all of you for uh, who were down there for reporting on it today and, and also for the videos that were taken of like the, the keynotes and wandering around the booths and some of the live coverage we did last week too when you guys were wandering around with the phone cameras and stuff too. That was, it was great for us that could make it down. Was there any other recordings besides Mr. Chaffee, um that you can watch? Are they on YouTube? So Pete Satinsky, so uh, one of the one of the founders and the, the chair of Tandy Assembly, uh, I think he did video of all or most, if not all, the uh, other speakers. And I think it's just going to take him a little bit of time to process uh, the video and get them posted. I'm not sure where he's going to post it, but I do remember him saying that he had some video that he was going to post at some point. So. Uh, That'd be cool. Keep an eye out for those. Those will be, you know, I'm sure, widely um, shared uh, across the community when they're ready. Yeah, they have a YouTube channel. I'm looking to see if they have anything out there real quick. Oh, there was there was a couple of uh, cell phone uh, videos of Grant really uh, making a fool of himself in the bar, but uh, I, I wasn't going to mention what? that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Grant. I don't, I don't frequent sites like that. So, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, Hugo joined us, just uh, so you know. He hasn't been on in a while. Ah, uh, yes. I think he's got something to show off. That's why. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool. All right, cool. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and run a commercial, and then we can, uh, if you guys are cool with it, we'll go ahead and talk to Hugo. And uh, Yeah, he's part of the news anyway, us, uh... so we can start the news segment with him, and he can kind of give us the update. All right, cool. All right, we'll be right back after these messages. Hey everybody, this is Bill Noble, co-author of Nitrous 9. You are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. 
Hyundai mates, this is Nick Marionette, author of such color computer titles hey guys, as I'm Donut have to Disaster, take off here, so, Rupert uh, Rhymes, I'll, I'll try and Rockstar Pilot. I, I have to and I am off. here today to tell you right, about the world's okay, most yeah. fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9 and its current incarnation, Nitrous 9, is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual. And yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS9, I expect my next game, Fun Star, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS9 forever. The next version coming out, so we can do a Purely I think this audio is going out on the stream, just so you know. Yeah. What's going on, everybody? The original gamer, Stevie Stro here, and I want to talk to you about Amacoconut.com. If you love the color computer like I love the color computer, then you got to visit Amacoconut.com, your one-stop shop for all of your Tandy color computer links needs. There you'll find links to blogs and podcasts and project sites and emulators and downloads and groups and communities. If you love the color computer, head on over to Amacoconut.com. That's I-M-A, Coconut.com. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Coco forever, people. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains educates, manages, it's expandable, and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2, sale price for Christmas, only at Radio Shack. All right, we are back. By the way, uh, maybe you know this, Curtis, because I was kind of shocked when this was brought up at the uh, dinner at Tandy Assembly. Did you know that there was actually a TV designed specifically for the Color Computer? Yes. Yep, it was, uh, it was kind of, I, if I remember, it was a wood grain side and had the push buttons for the channels. It didn't have the channel selector. Correct. Yep. yep. I did not know that. Yep, they used to demo it in the stores all the time. So how much was it? Do you remember? Was it more expensive than the color computer? Yes, I believe so. We're pretty close to it. Um, <laughs> that was like $400. Yeah, no. I mean, it would have been about 550 or something here in Canada at the time, but I seem to recall it was pretty close to the price of the cocoa itself. Most decent-sized color TVs were more expensive than the cocoa. Now, there's a 14-inch, yeah. wasn't it? I believe so. I think we had a picture maybe, recently on Facebook. Maybe Ron has one. Ron, do you have one of those? No, I do not. I think a lot of I got, we actually, a lot of cocoa. I got an RCA. I got an RCA uh, computer uh, uh, color TV that, uh, that looked like it was like the same one, just it had been branded for Radio Shack. And it was like 150. It was like something smaller. They used to make uh, the uh, Model One monitors were, were TVs too at one time. I think they were black and white though. I think a lot of Cocos just got hooked up to whatever TV the person had. Yeah, that's what most. Yeah, I don't think I knew anybody in Saskatoon that actually had one of those <laughs> TVs from Radio Shack. We just hooked up to whatever they had. Yeah. 
I don't think they sold for very long either, if I'm not mistaken. A couple of years at least. I do remember them. I think they were still around even at the beginning of the Coco 2 era, like about 83 maybe. Cool. All right. Well, we will go ahead and, uh, I'll, Curtis, I'll let you run with this one uh, with uh, Hugo and the news because you probably know more about it than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hugo might have updates too. So I, if you want to bring up the, the posting on Facebook there. And share it on the on the screen for everybody to see. But uh, he has been working on his game, so he's got a bit of his sprite compiling working, and uh, he has a little demo video there. Plus, he has a you know a layout of some of the tiles and stuff as it's uh, being displayed. So, uh, Hugo, did you want us to just play the video and you want to talk over it, or do you have anything updated even beyond this? Or well, it's hi. I hope you you're hearing me correctly. Um, yeah, well, you can show the video. Really, it's not much. It's just to to show um, that it. I am indeed compiling a very large number of uh, of uh, pixel data. Uh, of course, I currently cannot display much because uh, the routines to uh, display levels uh, are being written. Uh, I guess I'll have something more advanced uh, next week. Uh, but really, uh, everything's working. Uh, I'm loading a very large amount of uh, sprites and tiles uh, in the Cocoa. In fact, all these uh, sprites and tiles are compiled with the code. And they don't take up much space. Uh, we're talking 19 kilobytes for all the game's uh, graphics. Uh, if you look at the... Uh, the image I've posted later, uh, it shows uh, all the sprites. Uh, yeah, the click, click on the picture in the bottom there, Grant. This one here? No, up, uh, up where the video was, but the image below it? I don't see uh, any video. Maybe I should watch. Uh, uh, I was on... hoping to zoom up more than that, because that shows uh, off some of the tiles and okay. sprite uh, shapes. I only see your face, uh, and it's not pixelized. So, <laughs> and it's not compiled. Um, yeah, so um, should I be watching on YouTube? There'll be a bit of a lag there, but yeah, you could see what we're seeing on YouTube. Okay. Okay, I see. So yeah, uh, this these are all the graphics that are, uh, you know, um, uh, de-packed and expanded and mirrored and compiled in the Coco's memory. Uh, so they are all compiled with the source code. Uh, it's a lot of graphics, actually. Now, there was, there, there was some um, discussion regarding the fact that some of the golden uh, bricks or blocks to the right uh, look a lot like uh, blocks from uh, Nintendo games. In fact, there are about 16 of them that are modified versions that I took from uh, uh, Nintendo uh, sprite sheets, but I intend to uh, replace them with something else, so or modify them some more. Uh, all the rest is uh, original art that I uh, I, I uh, draw uh, pixel by pixel. <laughs> so so that's all the sprites are your own your own work. It's just the tiles you've. Uh, yeah, it's just like 16 of these tiles that I uh, modified, uh, altered from Nintendo uh, art. All the rest, I, uh, it's stuff that I've drawn over the, the last year 
So all the, uh, all the monsters, Impressive. all the character sprites, all the objects. Uh, Very impressive. The, uh, fireballs, uh, the water, the waterfall. Uh, it's it's very tiny on the screen, unfortunately. Uh, I wish I had po posted a bigger or scaled up uh, version. But uh, really, uh, it's looking good uh, up to now. Now I'm working on uh, tiles and background variations. Uh, I've already uh, written the uh, the code. It wasn't very difficult, but um, it it allows me to use uh, different versions of the uh, background and foregrounds uh, under either by pixel replacement uh, or uh, just by changing the palette or both. So for example, in the uh, underwater level, uh, everything will have a blue bluish uh, tint, but at the same time, I want the background to stand out. So uh, the background will have a rocky look grayish uh, so that the, um, all the water will will be visible. Not everything will be uh, uh, five tints of blue. So uh, there's lots of uh, you know artistic work uh, required when you work with such a limited uh, amount of colors uh, from a limited palette. For example, uh, you don't have many dark colors, and that's a problem if you want to design backgrounds. Uh, you have to make sure what you draw in the foreground is quite bright uh, because you can't have uh, any, for example, uh, any darker uh, tint of green. Uh, the darker, the darkest green I can get is still not gr not dark enough for my liking. But you know, if I was programming on an Amiga, I would have like a super wide palette with uh, thousands of colors. I don't remember how many, but that's, some, that's not the point. Uh, I like the Coco tree because it's just powerful enough to give you uh, the possibility to, to have this arcade look. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's quite limited. So there's, there's still a big challenge. And uh, I, I, I mean, um, I still need to, uh, when I compile sprites, uh, there were questions about that. Uh, how? What's a compiled sprite? Well, uh, you take the pixels from the original sprite, the original little rectangle, and you transform them into the code that is used to render them. Uh, so uh, it's very fast because you don't have loops, you don't have uh, uh, decision logic. It's all very straightforward. But at the same time, uh, I chose to have pixel level transparency. So even though I don't ren render the uh, transparent sections of a, of a monster, for example, uh, there are places uh, in the sprite where you have, you know, you have two pixels per byte. So uh, let's say the left pixel is transparent and the right pixel is solid. You have to apply a mask, load the background, uh, merge it with your pixel and write it. So uh, th that's many steps that need to be uh, generated when you compile the sprite. So the code gets much bigger. Uh, for example, um, uh, I've calculated that most of the times the compiled version of a sprite will be five to six times as big. So we're taking, it's using up large amounts of memory 
So I wrote uh, memory management uh, routines that help uh, writing streams of bytes to different areas in the Coco's uh, extended RAM. Uh, right now, the uh, compass sprites are using up uh, 192 bytes of RAM, so I have plenty of memory available for all the rest. Uh, I'm not, I've not stretched it, you know. And one of the problems and problems I had with the previous iteration, because it's the third time I restart this project, I was not happy with the results. Uh, there are things I didn't know in programming. I've got lots of helps. A lot of help from uh, many persons, uh, but one of the issues is that uh, if you want to use that 320 by 225 uh, pixels uh, screen, you use up five pages of RAM, but you have only eight pages to work with in the CPU available RAM. You have to map all the other pages you use to, to these eight pages. So how do you manage that? You can't say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna map all the uh, video pages that I use for my game. I use five, I have only three left to do all the rest. That's not practical. So what I do is that I borrowed a concept from the uh, old PC era where you had a video aperture which is a little sliding window over your video uh, space. And you work within that uh, tiny window to write your graphics. And if you want to write graphics somewhere else on the screen, you might have to uh, load a different page in your work area. So, uh, it, and if it's done properly, it doesn't uh, induce lots of overhead. Uh, and you have to write your code to work with uh, scan lines uh, or little blocks. For example, I can write one full row of background uh, tiles before I check if I'm near uh, the end of the accessible uh, video wrap. And then my routine will decide to uh, you know, slide one page down. So uh, it's quite transparent and it helps me uh, making the, the program much simpler because otherwise uh, you keep uh, loading pages almost manually everywhere in your code. It's a mess. Yeah. So I have two pages for video, uh, six and seven, uh, and two pages as a work area, uh, four and five. That's about half of the uh, CPU accessible RAM. So if I want to copy, uh, for example, uh, pixels from one place to the other, while well, I, I load the uh, corresponding pages in, in, uh, you know, in uh, CPU pages four and five, I load the destination in uh, six and seven. And I just have to copy uh, from source to destination. It's very simple. Now, are you using the task register as well to give yourself an instant flip to another set of pages too? Or? I haven't used them. Uh, Simon is uh, calling me chicken for not doing that. <laughs> uh, I might do it eventually uh, to uh, do the um, uh, you know the page flipping uh, for double buffering. Uh, double buffering, it's already implemented, but it's not optimized right now. 
uh, and I, I have like double buffering to do so that the graphics won't flicker, but I guess this is, will be a game that will smooth scroll down. So, oh my God, uh, that's, uh, that requires lots of RAM if you scroll yep. down, more than if scrolling horizontally, because if you're scrolling horizontally, you can use the uh, extended, uh, how's it called? Horizontal. Like horizontal scroll. Thing. register yeah. and stuff yeah, uh, yeah so you can make sure uh, you're drawing outside visible area and you have uh, always a seamless image uh, if you want to have a seamless image while scrolling vertically uh, it's much more difficult it's really complicated yeah. uh, you have to use up uh, seven or eight pages uh, of video ram uh, and write some things twice to make sure uh, you can, uh, when you're at the end of your uh, scrolling uh, buffer area, you can go back to position zero uh, without uh, having to uh, slow down your uh, programs, your program for uh, for a second. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard to uh, keep the a constant speed and not have uh, anything that you know alter the uh, make the graphics less smooth. But uh, up, up to now, it's it still look feasible. So uh, we'll, you'll soon see the results. Yeah, so, it's kind of timely you're talking about the, the pod sprites because we just did a big discussion on it here. I think was it last week or the week before? And then uh, some of the other news stories we'll be hitting here have been talking about. I don't hear the. I don't hear you. Oh, I think we lost Curtis. We lost yeah. Curtis, yeah. See, this is why you would not want to use an Apple computer. <laughs> I'm on an Apple, and you can hear me. But anyway, uh, it looks yeah, like a very yeah, it missed, looks like a very nice game. I missed um, that episode. Uh, well, I think Steve Bjork gave uh, some uh, tutorial or information about combat sprites. <laughs> uh, I don't remember. So, so what's the what's the game? Um, what what's the idea of the game? What do you do? What's oh, uh, it's a platform game. Uh, I gave it lots of thought, uh, thought because at first I wanted to do a game. I had an idea of the graphics, but I had no idea of you know the game itself, and it was going nowhere. So guys, don't do it. Start <laughs> with uh, with an idea at least of what your game. Yeah. Will. Uh, being motivated is not enough, I guess. So uh, really, uh, you uh, it's a platform game. Uh, your main character is a girl. Uh, she's kind of a Indiana Jones-style girl, but with a boomerang instead of a whip. Uh, and uh, she has she's, she's trying to rescue her cat, who has been uh, kidnapped by a monster. Uh, so she enters a pyramid and things start exploding around and you know the game starts scrolling really uh down at a, at a, com a constant speed so you don't want to be stuck at the top of the screen or you die instantly uh mm -hmm. it's a platform game and with your boomerang you can kill monster but you can also destroy blocks so uh certain types of blocks can be destroyed with either one hit or two hits with the boomerang so really she has to make her way 
and uh, find uh, wh what's the best path or the safest path to uh, to keep going down uh, without uh, being hit by the monsters. Um, some of the monsters cannot be killed. Uh, some fly. Uh, some are attracted by you. Some are just moving around, you know, left, right. So uh, it's going to be fun. <laughs> I hope. What, what are your uh, current requirements? It's uh, 512k Coco 3. No, very standard. Uh, very it's standard. like Vanilla Coco 3 with 512k. I don't want to require any more hardware. Once all the graphics and the action is done, I will ask Simon for help uh, with some audio, like adding uh, so noise, exposing noises and stuff like that. Uh, I'll make sure I, I keep 20, 20 to 25% of the CPU available for that. Wow. So RGB or just composite? Or? I'm programming for RGB. Uh, there might be a composite version, but uh, I can't guarantee that it will look as good. Okay. Uh, I think most people have access to RGB uh, nowadays. Right. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what else? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to include uh, animated elements in the game. So, it's not only the monsters and the character. I want to have moving water, uh, moving waterfalls, uh, some animated things that are you know you don't interact with them but you know they add some uh movement to the game it's not as static as uh, most games would be on the coco so yeah, well, uh, yeah. a waterfall if you set up your palette and your uh, waterfall colors right you could possibly animate something like a water or the waterfall by just uh, rotating some palettes i don't want to do that i really want to have these Animated, being yeah. flipped uh, because I want, you know, I, I don't want to. Uh, I want to have access to my whole palette for everything. Uh, I really uh, have high requirements for that. Uh, I want the game to be as colorful as it can be and as dynamic as it can be. Uh, so that's why I needed to have. I needed to have very efficient sprites. I think that's a third version of my compiler, and now I'm getting uh, very optimal uh, results. And okay. um, the, it'll be a vertical scrolling game. Um, mm -hmm. uh, no horizontal movement at no, all, no. Just, but just vertical. Yes. How, how are you um, doing the um, score displays? Because, I mean, that's one of the problems as well, that as you're scrolling the screen, of course, your score is also being scrolled off the screen as well. So I was just wondering how you're handling that. Uh, well, uh, I don't know yet, but I guess I'll do like most people do. Uh, you uh, you intercept one of the H scroll, uh, H uh, sync interrupts, and you uh, move the uh, display pointer to a special area where you have your little panel for the sco score. Uh, I that, yeah. I might just do it. I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to check. I I, I don't think you can actually split the screen vertically, but um, horizontally you can. But yes, yes. And that's can, uh, it's too bad. The uh, you know the they could have included so many more features in the uh, Gimme chip 
yeah, <laughs> you start yeah, to yeah. think, oh yeah, they, they could have included like uh, built-in uh, horizontal or vertical splitting and stuff like that, but that would have made the API quite complicated, I guess. Yeah. yeah if you want to split the screen uh, vertically on a on a horizontal line, one of the things you could do is, like he said, intercept have count the uh, horizontal line scan interrupts and at a certain point. Flips flip screens every time on a certain line. Yeah, I don't yeah, think. Well, I, I don't know if you can do that. Uh, you'd have to check with someone like Sockmaster, but hmm. I don't. I don't think you can do it vertically split it that way. Um, I, I think, think there's a limitation there. I think the uh, issue there would be that it, it works for a demo, but for a game where you have all kinds of events uh, firing at the same time, plus lots of background work, uh, there's a risk of being just, you know, missing one uh, one of these interrupts sometimes or uh, treating them too late and having a jagged screen or some flicker. And I don't want, or so I don't want that. Mm -hmm. Dragonfire did it on a Coco 2, but it's very, very timing critical. It's yeah. a very simple game when you look at it. Yes. yes. Welcome back, Curtis. You can do it on a Coco 2. You can't on a 3, I think. Oh, Dragonfire did it on a 2. That's what uh, I said. I, it, it, you can split it on a Coco 2. But Dragonfire doesn't change the video modes. It, it changes the uh, it changes the video mode. It doesn't change the um, screen position, though, does it? No. It, it, it only scrolls horizontally, but it does flip um, the video settings on a horizontal line yeah, so it can get more settings. colors onto the screen. Yeah, yeah in Dragonfire, the swap, um, what do they swap? They swap the uh, palette uh, bit. Yeah, the two color sets, it swaps. Yeah, the two color Somewhere in, actually inside the scan line, you know, at yeah. specific yeah. position. Yeah. And they flip it back later so they can have uh, the tower, uh, the castle tower to the left and right, a certain color set, and the uh, middle area with the bridge or the background, I don't remember, over uh, the action, the static background uh, with a different set. So, uh, well, that's quite interesting, actually. Uh, you couldn't flip uh, any place you want, though. There's some granularity there uh, involved. Uh, you yeah. couldn't flip every byte. I think the limit is something like 12 bytes or something like that, but it's kind of game that's like a, a you know castle of cards where everything is a perfect balance. You change uh, one byte or you take a few milliseconds too much, everything blows up and it becomes uh, a headache. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it you know, the number of the number of things that are animated is constant. Yeah. Uh, the positions on the screens where you can have things moving are very uh, limited. You have like a tunnel on the screen where you can be, and that's it. So yeah. uh, it's a great demonstration, uh, and, and it was a good game actually. But uh, it, using very complex and timing-dependent things uh, on an arcade, arcade game. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not suck master. Uh, I couldn't pull that off. So I'm going <laughs> to play safe for this and yeah. try to find the algorithms instead of the tricks. 
to, to yeah. uh, do my, my my apologies to everyone here. We just had a power failure, which is why I suddenly disappeared in a sentence. So, <laughs> and guys, uh, I will have to drop. It was a pleasure to uh, talk. All with right, you. I'll give uh, updates of the game. It uh, looks like looks like it's going to be a good game. Just let me tell you one thing: uh, Nintendo's going lawsuit crazy recently. So make sure you redo and remove those those Nintendo-like tiles and replace yes. them with something else. Yes, I had comments uh, saying that they're too similar to uh, Nintendo games. But you know, you know what? I haven't even used them in uh, examples. Uh, I'm gonna replace them. It, it's gonna take me a few hours of work, but uh, mm -hmm. that will at least uh, I will feel safe saying I designed everything from scratch and pixel by pixel. Keep uh, the old art, though. We can always hack it in later. Some people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, goodbye, thanks, and uh, have a great weekend. Bye. Thanks, Thank Thanks, Ligo. Thanks, Ligo. Bye. Now I have to go back and watch a show afterwards because I missed a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Good thing it's recorded. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. And by the way, it's like Stevie is trolling us now. He's asking if I was awake. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Curtis. I'll let you uh, pick up where we left off on the news here. <clears throat> okay. Well, I guess kind of along the same line, we, I mean, we we're talking about compiled sprites and stuff, and there's multiple projects going on using compiled sprites. Um, so I don't know which one we should do first. Uh, maybe we'll do uh, Jeremy Spiller's, because he's released a source code for Crystal City and Xenix. Tell me which one it is, and I'll stop. Uh, you had it there earlier. <laughs> but he also released a kind of a, a little explanation of, you know. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So what he did there is he's kind of released a bit of a history and a bit of uh, you know technical details of how he actually implemented these two games, which are two of the finest games that Coco 3 ever got. Um, and use hardware scrolling and stuff like Hugo was talking about earlier, but he's released this kind of description thing here we're looking at now. And then he also on his GitHub has released the complete source code for both games, um, which is which is great because it's uh, like a shining example of some of the best Coco 3 games done. So it's uh, if you want to learn some really cool tips and tricks, Trip tips and techniques. It's a good place to go. Cool. And, and refresh my memory. What uh, what was this game again? The the Crystal City. I don't think I've ever played that. If you click on Coco at the top there in the blue, I think he's got screen. Yeah, there you go. Oh, cool. Yeah, I do not remember playing this game. Yeah, that one has full horizontal scrolling at at full full speed. And the Xenix is kind of like a height Galaga Plus, I guess you'd call it. Cool. I might actually have to download this and play this today. <laughs> I think, I, if All I right. remember correctly, I have both of those myself. I had a little trouble originally getting them onto the SDC because I think, if I remember correctly, I might be not be. They were on originally copy protected discs, and I had to do uh, extended SDC image to get them on there. Now I think that there's some images out there that are standard uh, disk images. Yeah, and he's got his own, own versions of the disk images there too, I think, if I remember correctly as well. Yeah, I believe there is. So, cool. so, so that's one that uses compiled sprites. <laughs> and he's released the source code to it. Very nice. Yeah, for both of them. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, we've actually got source code now for a couple of pretty decent Cocoa 3 projects. We've got these two. Um, Brian O'Neill has released the source code for uh, Pack Dude 3D Monster Maze, which uses horizontal and vertical scrolling, um, as well as you know background music playing the whole time. That's actually available on my site. 
for the game site. So, um, you know, if, you, if people want to learn some of the, you know, the fancier tricks on the Coco 3, there's definitely some source code to take a look at now. Of course, it's all done with different cool. assemblers, but... <laughs> yeah, I've got that game, too. That's a good game. Yeah. Nice. All right, it was... What's next? Go ahead. Uh, Chet Simpsons. Uh... Yeah, I'm going to do an update here on, on Chet. Chet's uh, been working on his uh, massive, probably going to be the biggest Coco 3 game ever made type thing. It's we're going to require 2 mega RAM, sound card, 6309. Like, this is just maxing the thing out. And when you want to see what a Coco 3 can really do, that's the project he's doing. And actually, I think he's in our chat right now, too. So, hey, Chet. Um, but yeah, he's been uh, doing some stuff on compiled sprites. He's got some sample source code here, uh, 6309 based compiled sprites where he's, you know, giving you details where his little sprite compiler thing will take the shapes you've created and then create the raw code to do the drawing fast without having to do masks when they're unnecessary, which is what Hugo was talking about as well. So, um, keep following cool. his it's progress on Facebook. Yeah. No, two it's... mega RAM and a 6309 oh, okay. and a sound card. It's all part of a, uh, an evil plot to coerce me into putting a 6309 and a, and a CPU socket into my it, color. If computer. it works, no problem. Oh. <laughs> uh, actually, I think everybody is switching to 6309 because, uh, I mean, Richard was putting them, putting them in quite a few on a lot of people's Cocos at uh, Tandy Assembly. And yeah, and we've got three game projects on the go right now. We've got Rick Adams with uh, his new uh, Temple of Rom 2. We've got Chet's, and we've got Nick's. So, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of new 639 game development going on right now. And Nitrous 9 has been there the whole time, which, you know, obviously I've been pushing for a while too. So, But cool. if you want the technical details on how to do or what what is being done with some of the compiled sprites and some sample 639 code showing it actually in action, that's what uh, Chet has got his updates. And he, Chet's been doing regular updates here the last two weeks on, you know, how he's been doing, uh, making his utilities to do these compiled sprites and everything else too. So it's just been uh, fascinating to watch him go. It's kind of like live blogging on Facebook. All right, cool. And we'll go back here to Paul Thayer's. Yeah, speaking of source code, um, Tim Moran, <clears throat> which was uh, Paul with some help from Simon, uh, he released an update to the game itself here. We changed the palettes, I guess, when the Jason from the Friday the 13th character shows up. So it kind of makes it more of a, a moody Halloween style palette, darker palettes and stuff instead of this brightly lit forest. And uh, at the same time, he decided to release the source code for that too. So when it's commented, and then it was, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, it was his first major 6809 project, like his first machine language project. So you get to kind of see, you know, comments from him and Simon and, and stuff on and trying to get the game running faster in certain parts. And uh, he's released a source code for Timberman itself, so you can actually download that. And that's another, you know, Coco 3 game project you can now see the source code for. So anybody wanting to learn to do games on the Coco 3, this is the perfect time because now you got a whole bunch of example code. And most of the authors are, are completely, you know, willing to share their ideas and answer questions and stuff, too. So you can actually ask you know, the people that actually wrote these games as well as look at the code and, and learn it that way. So cool. great time Lots to be doing that. Lots of talent. Yep. All right, and this is. Uh, well, I was going to oh, ask, D is, Bruce, is Bruce still on? Mm, yes, he is, Bruce. Hello. Hi. We've got the uh, video queued up. If if he scrolls oh, yeah. down a bit, with him getting to level five, has he posted the one where he actually made it through? Uh yes, yes. Is I it in that same Nick's, link somewhere? Nick's comment there, right at the bottom there. Nick says, "Did he make it all the way?" If you yeah, follow that that little sub thread there, I think you get to see that part there. Yeah. All right, let me hit the play button. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Somebody, a, a, a kid now has officially beaten Stevie at uh, at uh... <laughs> Well, that's pretty well a given, isn't it? So, uh, well, that's true. That's true. Hank, you know, I have to play that again. So, did you see the fireworks? I, I couldn't see it on the screen. Yeah, do you want me to play it again? I can play it again. Yeah. yeah I, I missed it. Clipped off. I'm not sure. Now I saw some fireworks at the end there. Oh, yeah, with the lettering. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit hard to see on the. Oh, here we go. Right there at the bottom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, saw them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's more. Cool. Yeah. Actually, Grant, you can play the video when you first got to level five too, because it's kind of the it actually tells you it's level five as it's scrolling across. So, uh, which one is this one? Uh, the second last one, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, this one, that one, yeah. Here, it says it right here, zone five. Z O N. Anyway. Cool. And I don't know how well it comes across in the video here, but on on if you're playing it on real hardware, he's actually palette flipping between yeah, there's, flips um, and stuff. So there's actually more than sixteen colors on the screen at once. Says it right here, zone five. Z O N. Anyway. Yeah, I, I can't remember if uh, if that's. Uh, huh. It's been a while. Uh, now I'm challenged. I might have to solve this thing on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell uh, tell your son congratulations. Oh, he's right here. Oh, actually, there he is. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, we were trying to remember who always actually won it. I know Nick's won it. I've won it. There was one other guy. Yeah. Not after it was released that won it, and I, and Jacob. So I think it's just four or five that have actually. Paul, have three. you have you won this one yet? Paul Fritrelli? I uh, no, I haven't. I haven't. I think I made it to level three. That's about it. All right. Well, I think we have a challenge then. Thanksgiving, you and I. We'll see who yeah. gets there first. <laughs> we'll, we'll live stream it. <laughs> okay uh do you have the uh tag for the um replacement joystick parts for the deluxe joystick by scott kelly uh see here we go. That this one here yeah and, and barry might be able to chime in this too because barry kind of took a look at it a bit as well and i think was trying some of the i don't have the software that actually does the proper cad stuff but basically one problem is that the deluxe joysticks are actually one of the better ones you can get for the Coco because it has, you know, switching between spring back and free floating, which some games do need. Some games even work better if you have one axis free floating and one spring back, depending on the game. Um, and, but the problem is, is of course, you know, parts break and they're all little cheap pieces of plastic. So this is 3d printing basically, I think, or, or getting ordered at least some replacement parts so you can actually get them back and functional again after they broke. And uh, bear, do you have anything to add to that or? I uh, I have taken the part and run it through the slicing software, which takes the uh, the 3D image and reformats it as a set of instructions for the printer to lay it down in, in layers of plastic. And I've successfully sliced it in a way that looks like it's going to be possible to print. Um, I posted back a note to the thread saying I have a, a plug-in on my uh, slicing software that tries to move the part around until it finds the orientation where it requires the least amount of support. And I posted a, a, a posting back saying that it looks like that the, the uh, uh, there's a different orientation rather than laying on its side like that, that works better. So it doesn't require as much support from the printer. And I'm going to try and print it because I've got some joysticks that need this part. 
Yeah, please, please keep us up to date on the success of that because I mean, I think a few of us have got deluxe joysticks that are you know kind of getting old in the tooth and parts have worn off and aren't working correctly. I know a lot of my uh, mine because I've got five or six of them. A lot of the uh, the little levers that control the spring back actually are just so wore they just keep popping out as soon as you move the joystick too much. So, where's yeah, the weak part on this? Where does it break? Uh, it it breaks in various places. Um, one of the spots it breaks, I guess, is um, where the, the hole goes through on the bottom there. I've got one that snapped there. Um, I've got one that snapped out on one of the ends. But, you know, um, if anybody needs these, if I can successfully 3D print it, I'll probably uh, – they, they take forever to print, so I won't be able to ship them out in, in vast quantities. But if somebody needs one or two, I'll try to ship it out for, you know, basically a pittance uh, plus the shipping costs to anybody that needs them. Yeah, you might have to come down and be a vendor at one of the Coco Fest shows there. You might be able to make some of your money back. Yeah, and it's it's not a matter of that. I mean, that's you know, I'm not going to make a fortune on these things. So I'll just charge something to cover the plastic and the hassle for for making the darn things plus the shipping cost, and hopefully it'll be useful to some people. Yeah. So. Yeah, so we've got we've got multiple options now. We've got you know joystick adapters from several people for the more modern style controllers, and now we've got a way to repair you know probably one of the better controllers we had back in the day. So, if you want to stay fully retro, you'll have a chance to be able to fix some of this stuff. So, I'm I'm not very good at designing the, the models, but if I get a model like this, I'm pretty good at um, adapting it to the printer and getting it to print out successfully. Um, if we could get uh, a 3D uh, image you know stl file for some of the other plastic parts i could try printing that stuff too and see how that comes out so you know potentially maybe even have a um something that might work for even reproducing the entire joystick almost because most of it's made out of plastic yep that's true Cool. I did have one question right. along the lines of there curtis mentioned about the fact that there's adapters out there that we can plug in some of the other joysticks uh, into the cocoa. I was kind of curious, um, Waco, you know, made that, uh, scroll bar, a ball, excuse me. And the cocoa version of it doesn't come up on eBay very often, but there is just a load of the Atari style. Well, that Atari style with that adapter, will that work on a cocoa? I think know? so, but it doesn't work as a fully analog device. If I remember correctly, it's, it's okay. because the Atari joysticks are switch based. It would basically just give you the maximum, your, your left, your center, your right, your up, your center, your down. Which works very well on some games, but not on others. Yeah, for any of the ones where you have precision, precision's cursor positioning, like Polaris or Defense or something like that, or Colorpede or something like that, it doesn't work as well. You basically just you, jump all over. The, the old IBM analog joysticks can be hacked and rewired to work on a color computer. Um, right. The old IBM analogs have the potentiometers, just like the color computer one does, but they use a different, uh, slightly different wiring. But if you open, you're not afraid to open up the joystick, you can rewire them and put a different plug on them and get them to work. Or you could just make an adapter cable there, a, a DC-15 or whatever. To the, uh, also, the Apple joysticks would work as well with the Coco. They're 150K, but you know, Coco's a voltage divider, so it should work fine. I was just kind of curious because, I, I mean, I do have a Coco, uh, a, a Waco Coco ball, but it's in such good shape, I kind of hate to play with it. I kind of want to keep it for collectability purposes, but um, there's a lot of the, the um, Atari Wacos out there. I thought maybe it might be worth picking one of those up and just make an adapter to use it. 
<clears throat> yeah, I have one of those the the cocoa versions of that myself too. And yeah, it's they're they're pretty rare to find, so it's it's nice having one. Thank you, thank you. Okay. Now, Grant, I don't have any anything else that I had in my original list here, but I think you found some more you know, while we were setting up the show this morning. So if you point them to, and we'll discuss uh, them. Yeah, there's this one here that you I think somebody put up uh, from Todd. I don't know what this one will hear was you someone put into the list. And then uh, Ron DeVoe's uh, printers. <laughs> Davey Mitchell also posted something about the Cambridge Center for Computing History and something some dragon stuff. Yeah, that must have been the link for this here. Do you have a link for that? Because I do not. It's in Discord in the news suggestions. Uh... All right, let me pull it up here real quick. Oh, there we go. Nope, it just brings up to this page here. Just to the uh, Dragon's page. Oh, okay. Do you want to explain to it what it was? I didn't read the story, so I wasn't sure. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> Davey just posted it, so I feel like it was relevant. Go going back to uh, mice and joysticks and stuff, I've done a little bit of experimentation with an Arduino reading a PS2 mouse and then translating that to voltage levels, which I feed into the Coco joystick port. And I've been somewhat successful with doing that. So I've got an Arduino sketch that's in development that basically plug a PS2 mouse into our Arduino and plug the Arduino into the color computer joystick port and it reads it as if it's a joystick or a mouse. Uh, David actually did one of those last year, David Ladd. I actually have a couple of them. They work pretty slick. Oh, okay. So there's, he's got something out there already. It, it, does uh, it work on yeah. just a regular Arduino, or does it require one of the other? Uh, it uses the uh, Atmel 328P and uh, has a, I think it's a microchip uh, DAC of some sort. Uh, okay, I'm, try I'm trying to do it with just a stock readily available Arduino to see if I can get that to work without you know using any special hardware and just plugging the, the oh. mouse directly into it. That yeah, means anybody can just go out and get a. You can just go out and get an Arduino off of eBay, and then load the sketch into it, and wire it to a PS2 mouse, and wire the the other plug and plug it in. Cool. Yeah, uh, the problem with that link is I'm not a member of the Dragon community for some reason. So, ah. uh <laughs> That's why it's coming up with that page. Oh dear. This is what the board looks like. It's basically got uh, a couple uh, the DIN connectors for the. Uh, joystick, uh, Coco joystick to plug into and out to the Coco, and then it's got a PS2 port, and it uses a 328P and a little adapter to basically generate the analog. One one of these shows we should actually do a, a review of the joystick controllers. Like there's there's Neil's adapters for the you know the nine pin Atari style ones. We should just go through them all and show everybody what the options are, what the limitations of some of them are if you're trying to play analog based games. And good idea. Because I know we keep getting questions about them, and I don't have some of them, so I don't. I'm not able to answer, you know, every question about every possible type. So it'd be nice to know what yeah, all is out there, what it works with, how it works, et cetera. Yeah, because Richard has one too, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, David has one because I have it as well. There's quite a few out there. Yeah. And, and there's the X-Pad, which is an interesting device. 
Hey, yeah, we should, we should do a nice big wide review of them all and just make that, a, you know, the centerpiece of one one show or something. Hey, Grant. Yes, Mark. I found the uh, Computing Center link here uh, in the uh, Facebook uh, link. Let me post that here. Do you want to go ahead and just share it on your computer or? Um, I can, I guess. <laughs> yeah, probably easier. <clears throat> and David Ladd's here. He heard us talk about floppies. Hey, David. And his joystick adapter. <laughs> joystick adapter. Okay, where is my screen? Where is screen sharing? Where is your screen? And uh, which one do I want? Select a window. Okay, we'll do that. See if that works. Hey, there we go. Okay, get that on the screen. Okay, this is just where it goes to. It's uh, Christmas Quiz Night 2018. So it looks like uh, it's like a pub quiz with a twist. So it sounds like it's uh, some sort of a event you can go to oh vintage computers so yeah i remember when he was discussing it on on the post there i think he used simon's sg edit the semi-graphics editor to make some of the screens that they're going to be using uh, on the quiz oh right right hmm. on the dragon itself so ah uh, okay yeah cool that is like retro yeah, that is very. Retro. There's, a, there's a few like Commodore 64s and yep. Dragons, and I believe this Atari in the upper, uh, in the upper uh, right corner is this Commodore 64, of course, in the lower left corner, yeah. and the Coco or the Dragon there in the in the uh, upper left. I know he mentioned though he he, he took some pictures like he actually made a fake YouTube screen on the Dragon in semi graphics, like the logo. And um, he mentioned that he's using the Coco VJ to get a nice clean picture of it, so. He's got one of Brendan's Coco VJs uh, installed on his Dragon as well, so quite happy with it. Cool. The Coco VGA is an incredible product. It does a lot more than just redirect the screen to VGA. It also gives you a whole bunch of modes and enhancements too. When I yep, and it's a it's a work ongoing project, so it keeps getting more improvements as you go too, which is really nice. Like when he added the uh, redefinable character sets here recently. Okay. I posted about... a question over in the chat if somebody wants to go over there. It's been sitting there for a while just saying. All right. Uh trying to figure out how to turn this off. <laughs> it's just there should be a should be at the very top says so stop sharing. Oh yeah, there's that little floating thing somewhere. I'm not seeing it there. Oh, it's on this other screen. That's why. It's on my other monitor. There we go. <laughs> Two monitors. Oh, imagine that. All right, cool. Oh, what was the question over there in the chat? I was looking to get the link for the Timberman. Um, we probably should post it on the page somewhere where we post the, the video for the Timberman source. Yep, I got both those. Yeah, it's in, it's in the Facebook group, if I remember correctly. So it's actually yeah. on Facebook. Yeah, it is on Facebook, but there we have them here in the list too. Let me post them here. Timberman. There we go. <laughs> and Stevie's trying to be a troll, but he's doing a terrible job at it today. Yeah, not everybody's cut out for the job. No, we fired him from this show, and uh, so now he's switched over to the Commodore 64 uh, podcast. So, <laughs> is that all, all, is right. that all we had queued up for news, or is there still more to let to, more tabs to that, go through there, Grant? Nope, that is it. That's all we had. Okay. Actually, a pretty right, busy cool. news week, will... so that was that was cool. Yep, it was. All right, I'm going to run a commercial here, and then Ron can talk about this printer here that we have queued up. Okay. All right.
We'll be right back after these messages. We gotta pay the bills. We gotta keep uh, Stevie uh, going, you know. Hi, this is the award-winning Alan Huffman of Subbeat the Software, and you're watching Stevie Fall Off Cliffs. Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get Ama Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games, and they're on sale. Get this six-game model for $29.95 or the four-game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up and great family fun that lasts all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack, a Tandy company. We are back. We are ready for Ron's Garage. All right, Ron. Okay. <clears throat> You're going to pull up. Uh... Yep, we're pulling it up right now. All right, Ron. It's been in storage for as long as I've had my stuff. I used it <laughs> off and on. It, uh, it's 2,400 baud, but it's uh, freaking slow. <laughs> but back then, it was an inkjet, and it was high-tech, the edge. It was cool to have, and um, I had acquired one with a bunch of other stuff that I bought. Um, a guy passed away, was able to get it. Anyway... Didn't know I had it for a while. When I went through some of the stuff, there it was. Uh, some of the ink was leaking out the back. I had to clean it up. And I haven't tried to find out if they have cartridges for it still or anything. And um, I know about 20 years ago, I had it working, and it was printing pages. I haven't actually turned it on yet. But I'm going to try and see if um, you know it'll actually work. It has a, a primer. There's a um, link, if you're on Ron's Garage, there's a short video of um, one just like it that uh, people used with Apple. Uh, I think it was a Canon. Yeah, it was actually Canon manufactured it, and Tandy rebranded it for the... Right. Oh. This is a CGP Max, which uh, will actually operate the thing. And uh, there's some options on there. I put that on. Um that's a PDF of the manual that you can download, and there's the actual manual. And uh, I do not remember an inkjet back from those days. Oh, this is like the very first one. Yeah, very first color. Yeah. And you were able to prime it with a, a lever, and uh, you can also lock the heads from moving back and forth. Um, hmm. If you want to show that video real quick, just the first part of it or something, which uh, is kind of interesting to, to view. 
Yeah, I'm not on your page, unfortunately. No, it's right. It's, it's on the. Oh, you're not. You're not on uh, Ron's garage. No. Nope. Oh, okay. Looks like. Yeah, you Ron, are. you'll you'll uh you'll want to use that primer. I actually owned one of these, and uh, I've actually been kind of uh getting frustrated because I don't remember getting rid of it, but I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you'll want to run that primer. There's four little tubes. There's two cartridges on that thing. There's a uh, uh, the three color pack and then the black inkjet pack right. and um there's a little primer yeah that actually pumps the ink through those little tubes and you'll want to do that before you start printing that thing and because uh, a problem that they had with those is that that they would uh clog up yes and, uh, i don't know of any way to unclog those tubes i don't know if there's a trick or not or what could be done but uh yeah i'd love to try to find mine because i just don't remember what i've moved I to think... like five different places and so i don't know if i got lost somewhere but I'd love to find mine. I was trying to think of what I did one time when it did clog up. I might have put some alcohol in an empty cartridge and put it in there and pumped it and got it, got the clog through. I don't know. It's been a okay. you know, yeah. couple, couple bits of trivia on that printer, too. Um, there was an updated ROM that was third party that used to be sold in Rainbow. I remember seeing it in Rainbow Fest and actually had one in mine that uh, basically double printed everything because it was the bright, the colors weren't that bright when you originally got the printer and this bold mm -hmm. chip, which is a ROM replacement basically made everything twice as bright. And then also the other bit of trivia is that the uh, printer has a CPU inside of it and it's a 6809. Oh, that's cool. Cool. All right, Ron, I think I found your video you're looking for. Is, is this it here? No. All right. Where's it at? Um, right underneath that. If you go comments, and you'll see a link to a, uh, a video for the Canon. No. I see. I have no comments here listed on this one. Oh, maybe it's in the Coca one then. Huh. Okay. Boy, I'll find it. it. No, that's not it. Uh, let me see. I think that. Is it on the color computer it page? It might be. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed uh, making pictures and printing out on it. the The fun thing was is that the paper was rolled, and and when your print would come off, it would just be this big roll, and you had to try to flatten <laughs> them out and everything. That's no, why I always yeah. bought the sheet fed, and I always fed single sheets at a time because oh, that, that yeah. was so annoying. They mentioned that uh, there's two kinds of paper you can get too: one with a little bit of a gloss on it, or um, a, uh, I don't know. It's like uh, what happens is. If you just use regular paper, the uh, dot will go into the paper and, and spread a little, whereas this mm -hmm. coated paper will uh, go on it and stay and look brighter. I think it was kind of a clay-based paper, so that right. way the ink, the ink wouldn't spread. It would just make a dot and stay. Right. Mm -hmm. hmm. And uh, earlier um, this week, I started up my uh, CGP-115, does the little pens. And there's video of that on Ron's Garage, and then my TP10, I got that playing played around with that too. This kind of cool. The TP10 is uh, technology that still exists at your gas station when you uh, get your receipt, you know, out of the machine. Same thing, which is cool. Yeah, Ron's Garage has a lot of cool stuff on it. <laughs> it's definitely a place to go to the old technology. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, thanks, guys. All right. Thank you very much, Ron. All right. Uh, court. Oh, 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 no. Look who just joined and destroyed the show. 
We fired you, Stevie. What's the topic? Go back to your Commodore. Go to your Commodore 64. What's the topic today? <laughs> Welcome, Stevie. How you doing? How are the kids? Yeah. They, do they survive? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Better yet, have you survived? <laughs> so I miss printer talk. Am, am I am I just in time for floppy talk? <laughs> I think we're doing cassette talk next. <laughs> we had controller talk. We had printer talk. It's we had uh, compiled sprite talk. Hey, Steve, a little trivia. What processor is in the CGP220? I missed your presentation, but I'm going to take a wild guess and say it was a 6809. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah the, the, uh, the uh, Commodore ones had 6502s and everything, right? They had a 6502 in the floppies and in the printers and all kinds of stuff, right? Yep, that explains why they were so slow. <laughs> <laughs> well, this so CGP220 isn't that quick. <laughs> So if we replace the 6809 with a 6309, will it print faster? Yeah. Uh, you'd have to patch the ROM inside of it, but yeah, you could. <laughs> TFM those lines on the printer, yeah. I wonder if the uh, right. clock uh, is external or not on the 6809. I'm trying to remember. It might be a 68A09, if I remember. It's a one and a half megahertz. You'd oh. have to take the cover off and take a look. It's It's on the chip, so. Cool. All right, cool. Are we guys ready for the core dump? No, sure. Okay. Let me, uh, hey, Stevie, you want to run to your bathroom and go flush the stool well, so we can have the sound? I can see if I can get my soundboard fired up and share my audio for, for a second. Okay, we'll do that then. He's not going to crash us, is he? I might. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I put a glitch <laughs> in the matrix. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What is Jim oh, saying? Oh, retro. Yeah. Retro, now, at least the real troll is here, so I don't have to, I don't have to try <laughs> anymore. So <laughs> We try not to have dead time. There we go. All right. There we go. Was that Greg flushing a real toilet? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. It, just, it just keeps getting better. That was a, that's David Laz's toy. Maybe we should get the sound of a plunger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I... I think there's YouTube channels for that. Oh. Right. We might as well just go all the way to the exploding toilet at this point. So did, did yeah, we just hear the lad effect there? Was that a real toilet, David? Here, stop sharing sound and I'll share sound, Grant. All right, I am stopped. All right, so what I do, I got to go to advanced, and I got to hear computer sound. All right, so I'm ready to press the button whenever you start your core dump. All right. All right, here we go. Core dump, guys. Of course, you guys won't hear it now. This is a professional show. <laughs> Press the button, Frank. Oh, it, let's try it again. See, now the show goes to hell. <laughs> All right, I'm going to hang up. Right, you guys are doing better without me. <laughs> I'll just press my button real quick. There you go. There's our dump. All right, I'm going to stop sharing. Go ahead, Greg, as you were. All right. <laughs> I like my flush better. Yeah, David's flush was definitely better. All right, Curtis, go ahead and do your nitrous nine tricks oh yeah i just want to double check with nick you had nothing to put on core dump yourself today uh no nothing for me okay it's all yours okay so this is actually going to be a two-parter 
I'm just going to go through the user side of it here this week, and then next week I'll go into some programming stuff you can do for it. Um, and this is having to do with the way uh, the keyboard buffer, the type of head buffer works on, on OS 9 and Nitrous 9. <clears throat> so basically the way it's it's set up is that you can type ahead you know, while other things are happening. You don't have to sit there and wait for the cursor to come back. And every window has its own unique buffer. And there's 128 characters you can type ahead as, as, if you want to. Um, now on the stock OS 9, you had a, just a few things you could do. Control A would repeat the last line, and then you could you know, edit that line and and you know change. You know, if you're changing directories or something like that, you want to go back a directory, you can hit Control A and then just backspace over the very last part of the directory, and then you'd read to the previous directory, for example. On Nitrous 9 and uh, even some of the upgrades to OS 9 level 2, there was added in by Kevin Darling and some others all the keyboard editing stuff. So there's arrow keys to go back and forth within your text line control arrows to insert and delete, shift left and shift right to go to the beginning, go to the end. And then uh, we also expanded that later on based on a system call I'll be discussing next week, uh, the command history on the shell plus, so you can actually go with the up and down arrows to go through the last so many commands you've executed. So I'll, I'll touch on that more next week. Uh, for this week though, I just wanted to mention that there's a, a bit of a quirk to the way the keyboard buffered works uh, that you can use to your advantage even on stock OS 9, but also even more so on, on Nitrous 9 whether you're on EOU or just a stock one. And that is basically that as you enter in a command to the keyboard buffer, it always starts at the beginning of the buffer, and then you type in whatever, and then the carriage return signifies the end of the current command. So if you hit do a command, you hit return, and then you hit the control A or shift right arrow, depending on whether you're running OS 9 level two or nitrous nine, you will get that last line repeated up to the carriage return. But it doesn't actually delete any of the other stuff in the buffer. Like if you did a long command, like you know dir slash dd slash source code slash ASM or something like that. And then the next line you type, you just type dir by itself. It still keeps all the old text after that carriage return after the dir so that you can still access it as soon as you go past where the carriage return on your last line is. So in the example I just gave you, say your first command was 20 characters long, then you did a command that's only three characters long. Once you go past the fourth character where the carriage return is, you replace it with a space or something. If you hit shift right or control A at that point, your old buffer from the previous previous command would actually fill in. And you can use this sometimes to save yourself a lot of typing as you're going through things and, and go back and, and kind of reuse parts of lines or way before, even if you don't have command history on your shell, like if you're running the stock shell, if you're running just plain OS 9 level 2. So it comes in quite useful. I got quite used to that. And then uh, when Bill and I were doing Nitrous 9, we decided to come up with the idea that uh, we can actually pre-fill the keyboard buffer. And we noticed because an SCF, the Sequential Character File Manager, which handles terminals and windows and VDG screens, is that they actually built in, when you first boot up OS 9, and this has been carried over to Nitrous 9 as well, they pre-filled the buffer with a, a little message. And in their case, it was, I think, the three main authors of uh, OS 9 Level 2. And then when we did the first versions of Nitrous 9, we put the three main authors of Nitrous 9 at the time, which is Bill, myself, and Wes Gale. And I is think the current one has... Egg? Yeah, kind of. And, and the, the current version uh, 3.3 release on the repo, if I remember correctly, has... Uh, www.nitrous9.org is the built-in one. So anytime you fire up a new window, if you hit shift right arrow right off the bat, you get that little message pre-built in. And if you wanted to patch SCF, you could actually have a default to whatever the heck you want. Um, so we ended up uh, adding a system call into SCF, which that, that'll be going into detail next week and showing you some programming examples of it, where you can actually programmatically on the window you're on, pre-fill that buffer with whatever you want. And we use that when you're doing the command history because it prefills the buffer with whatever your previous line is. So when you do the editing keys to go through it, you can actually edit the, the text. But you can use this in your own programs too. You can you know, basically 
if you want to have a default, uh, some text that you want to default that that person's going to type in, they can edit it immediately using the insert and delete keys. You can preload it in, print it on the screen so they can see it's there, and then they can actually hit the arrows and go through, and it's already all done for you uh, without you having to actually have to type everything in in the, in the first place. So I don't know if it's worth me sharing, but I can probably share my um, VCC here just to kind of show you the, the trick about if you do a long command line, then you do a short one, and then you overtype where the carriage return would have been on the short one, the old stuff comes back to, sh you can reuse it. So I will do a share here myself. Greg will have to stop sharing, so. Yeah, I have to there wait. You got it. Okay. Everybody see that? Yep, I can see it. Okay. Yep, I see Good. It. Blue. blue and white. Uh, that means Curtis got a blue screen. We got to restart. <laughs> Wrong. <up. laughs> so I'll just do this. So there's a fairly long command line. So I just did a derv that particular thing. And if I hit the shift right arrow, it'll repeat the line. And then I can use the left arrow and the right arrow to go through. I can control left to delete stuff. Like if, say, if I wanted to delete, uh, say that. And you can insert, and then you can type in something else, and and that type of thing, and then you can redo your commands. Now, if I nice. let's say I just did a dir by itself now, so now I'm directing my root command. Now, if I hit shift right arrow again, it's just going to repeat my last command. But the thing is, as soon as I remove that carriage return, which is in the preloaded keyboard buffer in the background, I'll hit a space bar. Now that carriage return is gone. So now when I hit shift right arrow, SCF will actually go in and go, oh, there's no carriage return right after this. So I'll just do whatever until I hit the next carriage return, the keyboard buffer, which is left over from my previous one. So now if I hit shift right arrow, that whole command comes back. So you can use that to your advantage. And the control A equivalent of this in OS9 level two, the stock one you got from Radio Shack also lets you do this. So if you replace the command or replace the carriage return with a space or in some other character and hit control A, the rest of your old keyboard buffer would come back. So it gave you a, a way to shortcut some of your typing. But uh, this is one of the, the nice things about it. And then you have a command history, of course, where I can go through and actually just pull up each individual command I've been doing here. And all of these are editable. How'd you do that? Command. That's up and down arrow. Oh. Now, I, I remember correctly, and I wish Bill's here to, to do it, maybe David remembers, but I think the window descriptors on the 3.3 repo are not set up correctly to do all of this. I think it only does parts of it because some of the attributes and stuff and, and some of the special settings were not set correctly up for command history, which you, you, it's all fixed. Every window descriptor set up properly to do this. David, do you remember if that's true or not? Or am I remembering that wrong? I am sorry, I do not remember. Okay. But anyway, like I know Stevie, uh, you know, I've, I've watched him get frustrated on RSDOS, you know, typing in something. If he does a typing mistake, you have to retype the whole stupid line. You don't have to in, in, in Nitrous 9. You can go through the command history, you can edit them. I should also mention these here are not limited to the shell. Um, the command history part is limited to the shell, but as far as your editing, like control, delete, and, 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 and inserting and stuff like that, works on any input prompt. So if you're running a basic 9 program, if you're running a C program, an assembly program, it doesn't matter as long as it's using a standard read uh, system call or you know input or whatever in basic, they all have this. You can do the inserts and deletes and jump to the end, jump to the right, all works exactly the same. So you can use that in your own programs as well without having to actually program any of that stuff. It's just built into Nitrous 9 itself. And then, uh, like I said, next week, what I'll do is I'll uh, go into some detail, show you how that fill command works so that you can preload the buffer with whatever you want. 
I'm going to be using that in G Shell. Like when you do want to say rename a file, I'll have it so you can right click. It'll pop up a window with the name of the file as it currently stands, preload it with whatever the file name is. And that way, if you want to just add, you know, dot dat or something on the end of it, you can just hit shift right dot dat and you're done. No matter how long the file name is, you don't have to retype the whole thing. Or if you want to just delete a couple characters or insert a couple characters or whatever else, you can do all that. So it, it's quite a handy little thing. But we'll get into the technical details for that next week. Any questions? The power of OS9. Yes. <laughs> so that was my stupid right. OS9 trick of the uh, of the week. God, it wasn't stupid. It was smart. That was nice. Yes. <laughs> cool. I play it just for you, Nick. <laughs> and, and, unless I'm mistaken, I think we now also have Stevie Strobich say OS9 was nice on recording. Yes. <laughs> I like command history. <clears throat> I'm so used to it on a real computer. I actually asked Rick Adams to put it into his uh, his game he was working on the um, Omnistar. The Omnistar, the hacker game. I'm like, okay, this is like, I feel like I'm in a real terminal. I need to be able to hit up arrow <laughs> and repeat my last command. <laughs> so he actually put it in. So yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing about OS nine is it does you know it does limit you because you're abstracted away from the hardware. Um, but that's like, you know, as you said, a real operating system and modern, uh, modern systems, you have the same thing and it has a lot of the same features that modern systems have. Yeah. I know Bill and I use this at work a lot because one of the nice things about OS 9, this was at the lower level. This was in the file manager area, which means any SCF device does it. So if you hook it up to a modem, if you hook it up to a terminal and you log into the Cocoa of those, all this works there too. So you can do, you know, editing your command lines and everything else on a terminal. It doesn't even have to be on the Cocoa itself. We use that quite extensively at work. Anyway, that was, that was core dump for this week. Like I said, I'll have sample base canine code showing the system call to preload the buffer and then some little you know, tricky things you can kind of do if you program it right to make it a lot easier to use for users. Can't wait. Cool. All right. Well, that covered everything on my list. I will now open it up to the floor and see if there is anything else that we need to discuss before... We uh, kill this show. Can, well, can you, can you guys start over? Because I missed most of it. <laughs> 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 Did you guys at all talk about last week's show about Tandy Assembly? Just kind of a Tandy Assembly like follow-up discussion? Yeah, that was oh, a very first thing. Yep. Yeah. That was the opening section. Yeah. yeah. I, I got to say, I want to, I really want to thank you guys for being there and, and bringing it to us for the, so for the rest of us who weren't able to experience it. I think we did a pretty good job of providing a lot of coverage between the two shows last week. And um, thank you, Grant and, and Jason and Paul and everybody else who did that. So Cool. And hopefully uh, more of you guys will be able to make it next year. Have they got the you know, dates for next year firmly? Like I said, you said they already signed a contract to get the facility again, but have they got firm dates yet or? No, no, I don't know if they signed a contract. I know they were going to do that as soon as the oh, okay. show ended. So I'm assuming that they'll probably be doing that in the next week or two. So, because they want to get that October date back. I know that. So I'm sure we'll be hearing that soon from the uh, the other podcast. Yeah. The other that show. 
And, and one other thing to mention show. to Stevie here that's not related to Stanley Summit, but something we discussed earlier in the show is that uh, Jacob Moore has actually completed Pop Star Pilot, so we're still waiting. Yeah, I saw that in the car. I was in, I was watching a little bit in the car <laughs> on the ride home. So good for Jacob. Bar is now set. Yes. So when are you, when are you going to join that uh, that group there, Stevie? Uh, it will have to come after level three. I'm still working on level three right now. So <laughs> oh, I, t- so I tend to do my levels in uh, sequential numerical order. So um, you don't have the cheat pokes yet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, since Stevie's here, I will let him do the sponsors here. So no, uh, really. we'll make him we'll make him work a little bit here because he does it better than I do. No, I don't know about that. You uh, you are the man. All right, here we go, Stevie. Women want you, men want to be you. Um, <laughs> so I need to make this bigger. That's what she said. Uh, how do I do that? Do I hit spotlight video or pin video? And I'm afraid if I do it, is it going to screw it up for you guys? All right. So all right. So our sponsors, right? Well, we got to we got to first thank Grant Lady. Without him, nothing's possible. Um, <laughs> Coco VGA, our good friend Brendan Donahue at the Coco VGA Project. Check them out at CocoVGA.com. Voice on Technologies, Richard Lorby Esky, adding new things, CPUs and processors and blinky lights and all kinds of good stuff. B-O-Y-S-O-N tech.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations, professional trolling services for all vintage systems at go, the number four retro.com. The original Coco online merchandise shop for accessories and upgrades and hardware and repairs was cloud nine technologies at cloud. The number nine tech.com sdpack.com is a cool little project and get your own switcheroo. And now the new Wallaby cable at Coco3ScarCable.com or CocoMan.biz. That's our Jason, the Coco Man Reichert, best known as the brother of Ken Reichert. Uh, we are on the Coco TV channel on Roku, thanks to Roger Taylor, hey, uh, Ron DelVoe, and Mission Control. Did you verify that we are on, uh, on Roku today? Had you been on the earlier part of the show, <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. you would have noticed that. <laughs> I said I couldn't be confirm that because it's currently not Ouch. installed in the control center. Ah, I see. It was confirmed by Paul Fiscarelli, though, so yes, we It was, okay. All right, now, um, that's, well, thanks, Ron. Thanks for keeping me in my place. Um, (laughs) Now, I don't know the exact dates, but there actually will be, like, a Black Friday promotion on the Retro Swag Shop for T-shirts and coffee mugs, and so when you visit the Retro Swag Shop and you click on T-shirts and coffee mugs, it'll tell you the date and it'll tell you the promo code, but you will get 15% off and free shipping. I just don't remember the exact dates, but it's coming up for Black Friday, um, and that's a built-in feature of the T-shirt uh, makers. They're, they're giving that to us. So check that out at 8bit256.com. Uh, CocoTalk.live is where you can reach us. The other show, the Coco Crew at CocoCrew.org. Make sure you check them out. Good friend of the show, Brian Joyce, FD501.com. Last but certainly not least, The Zipster Zone, Ed Snyder, Z-I-P-P-S-T-E-R, TheZipsterZone.com. For all kinds of cool stuff for the hardware that we want to have. Coco SDC forever. Yes. All right. Thank you very much, Stevie. You do it better than anybody else. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> wow. That's where that's where you usually say it, right? <laughs> Thanks, Ron. Yeah, I was expecting that oh, comment, but not from Ron. <laughs> All right, Paul cool. Barton calls well, it we'll blue go. talk. Blue talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what? Since Bruce is here, we'll go ahead and uh, run 
the Coco Forever uh, teaser here, and then we'll wrap up the show. Ooh. We'll be right back. Yeah. Imagine Jim's favorite a part. different world. A world where Tandy Corporation has the upper hand. Where the Coco surpassed all competitors. And all you have to do is travel back in time without making a single mistake. Coco forever. definitely earned this office yes you're too kind and thank you you want to grab some food before we we seem to have lost audio oh yeah i lost it here too Man, head back and look at that alt reality os9 module <laughs> it's only a 40 years past due but yeah sure G'day mates, this is Nick Marionettes, <laughs> and I'm here today to tell you about the most fabulous video display product, the Switcheroo! Go from RGB to composite with just the flip of a switch. Talk about ease of use, however, unlike my favourite operating system OS 9, I cannot seem to get this to work down here in Australia. Eh, Coco3ScottCable.com all right welcome back celebrity hey, voices curtis, impersonated you... <laughs> <laughs> curtis i saw you put a link up was there something you want me to yes this is my little surprise i'll just set it up here before you load it up um a guy got in contact with me privately and he was asking if i was still in contact with ken kalish you know, you know did a lot of games like phantom slayer invaders revenge and starship chameleon etc and i said no i haven't actually talked to ken in probably a decade and a half but uh what he did is he's, he's got a whole virtual reality setup which you'll see in the video and he actually linked it up to Phantom Slayer. Now you probably have to drop the volume a bit down because he has a lot of music in the background and stuff here too. But this is this is the way to play Phantom Slayer. I was impressed with this. All right, let me switch over to it here real quick. All right, are we ready to push play? Yeah. All right, I'll go ahead and leave the music up unless you guys want me to stop it. So. This is copyright. Turn it down. Oh, all right. Copyright. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Eddie Money, right? So it's going to get our show flagged. So he's actually doing virtual reality. Yeah. <clears throat> he's got that walking platform where your feet, you actually move and turn yeah. in real. Plus, you have the goggles and everything else. So Neat. That's Son of Dragon. Uh, yeah, in his case, I think he's from England, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, this is on the Dragon. But, I mean, if you had the same setup, you could definitely do it on a Coco, too. 
Wonderful. I'm thinking Chet's that new game cool. should use this. That's, maybe that's another requirement since he's got the highest Cocoa requirements for games so far. You should have the virtual. <laughs> and the, this new Cocoa product requires the Oculus Rift. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, we've, we've had some people experiment with the goggles and stuff on the Cocoa before, but I've never seen anybody like go all up with the whole walking platform thing. I don't even know anybody that actually has one up until now. So Sounds like a good DIY hack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, like I'm saying it's a yeah, cocoa project, be, but it could be. I guess what he's done is he's just basically taken the outputs from that platform and spliced it in as, as uh, analog voltages to the cocoa's joystick port. Well, this is actually a keyboard game, so we had to do it differently. There's no joystick controls. Oh. Oh, interesting. Well, if you had like a Bluetooth type adapter for a keyboard, yeah, it'd be easy to rig something up like that to simulate all the key presses. Yeah, because it's basically just the arrow keys and fire and the, the one to six for the proximity detector. So I just thought it was a fascinating project. And just yeah. came out of the blue. I wasn't expecting this from anybody. And it just, it was so cool. I had to share it. I'm wondering if he's got some type of stereo simulation too, where he's got the alternating eyes, or if it's just a still kind of this, you get the same vision in both eyes and it's flat, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure because I actually, I replied to him because I, I wasn't able to reply to him for about a day or two after he sent me the initial video. Then I guess he's been busy because I haven't got a reply back from him yet. Um, but this just happened the last couple of days. So I'm hoping, hopefully I'll hear something over the weekend. That's cool. I'd like to get him on to interview about the setup, actually. If it would yeah. Be. Yeah. Is, he Is there other games that would be on his machine to the... You'd need to duplicate a bunch of the source code and do offsets in order to generate the view for the other eyes. So I... I don't, you know, I mean, I suppose it's theoretically possible to do that, but it takes pretty major rewrite of the game to support something like that. Hmm. Yeah, what to do the, what if the games would be kind of fun to play like this? Yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah, I was wondering for you, for you guys, like especially Stevie, since you're, you're the game player, you know, extraordinaire type thing extraordinarily bad but still um was there is there any other games that we have on the coco that you think that type of a setup would work really good on well dungeons of daggerath would be amazing in vr yeah. gate crasher was another one i was thinking of yeah gate crasher um so phantom slayer was the first first person shooter uh, at least one of them i mean it came out in um uh spring what, about, of 82. what about even something like uh, project nebula that would be kind of cool right imagine looking out in space as you turn your head around the stars move as you're looking and stuff that would be kind of cool um yeah. even if it's not temple of yeah maybe yeah even if it's not true 3d where you're getting the depth if you just had pivot control where as you turned your head the you it was like moving the joystick left to right and you were steering your point of view that would be interesting right um yeah vr coco vr where you get one yeah. of those things but i just want to warn if anybody's going to make this make sure you put a sound chip in it ahead of time let's not have to <laughs> retrofit the sound chip to the <laughs> vr headset okay yeah. be so kind honestly phantom star is one of the few games that actually had pretty good sound on its own you didn't need to worry about that as much yeah yeah <clears throat> Yeah, that was my little surprise video for the show. I didn't tell anybody else about it. I mentioned to Grant I'd have something, but I didn't say what it was. Oh, there's Jacob Moore, the uh, beater of Popstar Pilot, level five, fireworks, the whole nine yards. Good job, Jacob. Excellent, Jacob. Jacob, just remember that you are better than Stevie. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bruce, how far have you gotten in it? Yeah, not that far. <laughs> I'm busy trying to make a game. 
Oh, okay, yeah, I guess you have a good enough excuse then. Mm-hmm. Different priorities. Yeah. Give us a review of the game now from an expert oh. that's actually finished the game. That's right. Thanks, Barry. Yeah, I'm going to drop off now. See you later, guys. Probably Take next care. week. Yeah, see you, Barry. Give our love to the parents. Keep, keep us up to date on that joystick uh, 3D printing for the parts for the Deluxe 2. Will yeah, do. See you later. All right, cool. Anybody else have anything, or do we beat this one to death? After dark, yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. To me, it was it was like I, it was almost like I just got here and I missed the whole thing. So I went by so fast. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have anything you want to share, Stevie? Did you have any? Uh, just my feelings for you, Grant. Um. <laughs> where's that mute button at? Where's that? Where's that kick? Where's that kick at? Uh. You you do realize that you need to um, go on a private place for that, Stevie. Uh huh. All right. Chet Simpson recommended VR with Rescue on Fractalus. Rescue on Fractalus. Yeah, that. Would I guess that means one. I should get back into finishing optimizing it then too, huh? Al Hartman said FS1 Flight Simulator. Yeah, both those would be cool. Yeah. P51. Uh, so, Stevie, they were asking if we're going to do an After Dark. That would be up to you. Uh, why not? Well, you listen, you fired me. So, you know, you, it's, it's your world. We're just visiting it. <laughs> you have to you. rehire him just for the night here. Yeah. yeah. How's the Commodore 64 world going for you? Oh, it's great. They've welcomed me with open arms. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it just took a long time for that to uh, actually happen. That's all. So, <laughs> after dark, C64 after dark. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And then, Steve, you also missed when I had a power failure right in the middle of talking. Oh, that was but uh, that's probably Jim Brain's favorite part of the show. Yes, it was actually. <laughs> Curtis, shut up for once. Awesome. We were fanning the flames of his dumpster. <laughs> was did Richard see, on at all? Did, did you guys see it? Yeah, yeah, he had his dumpster fire you on. You didn't okay. see his little graphic, did you? No. Was, yeah, that must have been before. He had a little dumpster fire with a door open and the flames coming out. Excellent. It's a great <laughs> metaphor for uh, Grant's hosting today. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) And did I miss any from any updates from Nick Marentes? Do we hear anything new on Funstar? No, he's been sick for the past week, so he didn't get. Yeah, haven't done much. I thought it was a pretty lame excuse too, but yeah, that's what happened. (laughs) Nick's been drawing on his new Cocoa um, Cocoa Max is Cocoa Max is a hardware device. No, haven't done anything at all. Been just taking it easy the last week. We got to speak to one of your neighbors last night. Well, or the other night on Discord, uh, Ian Maverick's son was on Discord, and oh, it sounded okay. like he was going walkabout, so we could hear like street traffic in the background and all kinds of stuff. And uh, uh, <laughs> muggings, yeah, muggings. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have muggings over here. We have mass shootings. <laughs> We're working our way up. And <laughs> <laughs> mugged with a boomerang. <laughs> so, we Jacob, got... just going to ask Jacob actually. Uh, I, I think he's just left the room. Hey, yes, he's back. Just wondering if you can tell us uh, what was his favorite parts in Popstar Pilot. Um, I really like level four. Level four was really interesting. There's his boomerang. 
Going out for a mugging, easy. Is that, is, is that uh, from Boyson Technologies? Yeah, is that what the boomerang <laughs> board? That's, is, that's your memory upgrade. Tried to return it, but it, it, it kept coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which one is level four? I haven't seen that one. <laughs> <laughs> we were all made aware of that. Yes. Is that the one with the pipes? Painfully aware. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah the, the pipes. Kind of space pipes. Uh, yeah, I've seen pictures of it. <laughs> what you what you find to be the hardest? He's uh, seeking. Probably the end of level four. It's kind of. Oh yeah. Difficult, yeah. How'd you find level two? Interesting. The caves. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I really hated the the very starting of level two. It's so annoying going through that very jagged thing. Yeah, it was designed to throw Steve, so which is done. <laughs> and so far, it's been completely successful in that endeavor. So. That's right. <laughs> so is is the ending with the fireworks, is that, because I know there's like different endings, right? Is that the one where if you got all 25 tokens and... Yeah, yeah. that's the end of level five. That's, so we didn't actually see what level five itself looks no. like, because that's the bonus no. level, but we just saw the... Little yes, fanfare. If you, you, you saw the very, very beginning of it at the end of the video when he made it to level five the first time. Mm, okay. And that's also the level that has palatrix to do more than 16 colors on the screen once. So that's, that's how is that even possible? <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that too low? OS9. Yeah. Oh, it's the OS9. The OS9 did that. Okay. Yeah, that's when he kicked it into real Austin. He he pre-filled <laughs> pre the palette buffers. So all he had to do was do a shift right and he got more than 16 colors on there. So uh, perfect. Yeah. I'll make you a game two TV <laughs> under OS9 here too. I'll just pre-fill the buffer with game over. So it's <laughs> uh, that way it loads faster. <laughs> I don't even have to write the game. I just have to print game over. <laughs> All right. Are we beat this one to death, guys? Yep. Yeah. But yeah, so let's do an after dark for sure. Press the button, Greg. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and do uh, last thoughts and uh, parting words. So we'll start down here with David Ladd since he's the, uh, the, the star of the show. David, any uh, parting thoughts? Everybody love each other and support each other and give everybody good thoughts. Okay. I'm glad you well, added the word thoughts there. <laughs> thanks, thanks, David. Paul Fritzarelli, any parting thoughts or words? Nope. Uh, thanks, guys. It was a good show. I appreciate uh, being part of it. Thanks, Paul, for joining us. I appreciate it. All right, Nick Brantis. Uh, yeah, nothing else. Um, see you all next week. Cool. Hope you feel better, too. Yeah. D. Bruce Moore. No, it's all good. It's been fun. All right. All right, cool. Brian, any parting thoughts? Nope. Uh, great show, and uh, look forward next week to meet with everybody again. All right, cool. And we'll pass Stevie. Glad you're here. Uh, L. Curtis Boyle. <laughs> No, it, it was it was fun. I actually got some work done on the AOU, like I mentioned, which is the first time I can say that in months. So it was a uh, it was a good week for me. I'm hoping to continue on with that because work's kind of died down a bit, and still shooting to getting some sort of a release with bug fixes and stuff here for the end of the end of the month. All right, cool. Thanks a lot, Curtis, for uh, helping me out today. I appreciate it. Ron DeVoe. 
Calling Stevie Stroh. <laughs> <laughs> and my new phone. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> Supposed to be the Damn red phone Martin. in Mission Control. So. Well, this, this one I got. Uh, He's only on Yellow that. Alert right now. So. Yellow Alert. It's DEFCON 2. So. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait till our next Mark, one. Mark Overholzer. Hey there, and meow. And uh, always glad to be here. And it's always a fun group to hang out with. And uh, we had some nice news this week. So. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. All right. And then, of course, Stevie Strobridge, the uh, the star of the show as well. Well, I would just like to say, since I've been fired, number one, is there severance pay? <laughs> um, and can I fill out unemployment? Well, as you always say, you know, double nothing is still nothing. <laughs> so no. I figure we can give him all the residuals from YouTube. Uh, there you go. There you go. I did. I did. Well, I, when I watched in the car, I did see a commercial. So that's at least one tenth of one penny that uh, I know I got today. So. <laughs> excellent excellent all right cool and then of course uh thanks everybody for joining us and um have everybody have a happy thanksgiving in the united states and and thanks Are grant for have- uh doing the sharing of the video and and being the co-host on the show too yeah thank you for helping Curtis. except i keep it. trying to call you greg i keep forgetting what your name actually is <laughs> Yeah, actually, actually, it's getting a lot easier now because Stevie and I are finally, uh, we got a lot of the bugs worked out and stuff like that. So it's a lot easier now to kind of pick up the uh, baton when needed and uh, stream the show when Stevie's got to do real family things, you know. When when he has to (laughs) adult. Exactly. (laughs) Don't forget at Ron's Garage, you can pick up a Happy Thanksgiving uh, graphic for your Coco 3. Excellent. Have it on while you're eating your dinner or just cool. before you go into snooze land. When, uh, <laughs> when, uh, just, uh, Steve, just ask Stevie, are we going to do a Thanksgiving show or this was it. Black Friday show? <laughs> well, you mean like the Saturday after Thanksgiving? No, like maybe the Thursday of Thanksgiving oh. or Friday after. Um, we could if you wanted to. Maybe an after dark. if Because uh, you know, after nap, we'll call it. So, uh <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, everybody just uh, pay but attention. Actually, that's to this a really good sure. idea. Why don't you guys think about that? Let's think about what we've been thankful for, not just in the cocoa sense, but just life, family, you know, things like that. We did that last year, right? So maybe we'll do that again. We'll ask people to submit their video clips and, um, yeah. And that also reminds me, too, uh, we are coming to the close to the end of the year, so we probably need to be thinking about the best of or, um, you know, the year in review for Coco, so be thinking about that, because I'm sure we're going to be doing that after Christmas. Mm-hmm. Who did the compilation for us the other time? Brian Joyce. Brian Joyce. Boy, he did a great job, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he yeah. did. Do you know if he's working on that again this year, Stevie? Or? Well, supposedly, I think he is. That the, the, the next thing is going to be the David Ladd story. That's his project he's been working on. So. Oh, uh, <laughs> Because I mean, we we can do like Twit does where we can have everybody that's been on the show or watches the show to send you know submissions if we can get an email address for them telling them like this episode at this timestamp was mm. a really cool thing that should be on the best of and help them you know get it done without having to pour through all this crap we call a show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. All right. Well, there's a few other people here that I need to mention that were also on the show. Uh, Rick Adams was here earlier. Uh, then we also had Jason, the Coco Man, was here. Um, Paul Barton was online. Um, Richard was here. Barry Nelson was here. Barry Nelson was here. And Hugo was also on here as well. All right, cool. All right, well, here comes uh, the favorite part of uh, the show from Jim Brain. So we'll go ahead and start the outro. And we'll be back right after that.
Hi, this is Antonio Jimenez, author of such projects such as The Speedy Throw Devil and the SD Pack, and you are watching Coco Talk. In three, two, go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm behind you making faces. Okay. <laughs> you, you have a script? You're rolling, Curtis. You say whatever you want to say. Well, give me some kind of guideline. Um, hi, this is Curtis Boyle. Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to Coco Talk. All right, we're rolling. You say whatever you want to say, David. Nation, world, sweetie, weekly, any computer, something like that. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing dagger is like that idiot from the book. You're watching Coco Talk. <laughs> Thank you, David. Now get back up there for one second. Oh, jeez. What? What, what, what? Let's get some dry wire, TTL, no. ESP. No, we don't need any dry wire or TTL. <laughs> Hi, it's Chris Boyle, part of the uh, Coco Jack crew of people. Hi, we're on Delbo Timberman. I guess I'll to uh, experience Coco Fest, you must come. I mean, I brought the only working Pepsi uh, tent. I could not get it. I could go. could not get it. Couldn't get Ah. By certain someone you know. The world's leading weekly Coco Talk Show. Yeah, something like that. Hi, this is Rick Adams, and I'm the author of uh, Temple of Brom, Shanghai, and now Bomb Threat, and you're listening to Stroke on Coco Talk. Eight slot MPI, you know, floppy drive, Coco SDC, um, sound speech pack, Orchestra 90, RS-232 pack, oh. modem pack, uh, Super IDE. You start adding all those together if you want them all usable at the same time. Well, guess what? You just went over the four-slot MPI. All <laughs> right, cool. Yeah, it looks like I don't have the new uh, outro, so I will have to spare everybody on that yeah. today. <laughs> the bathrobe one? No, I don't have that one either. <laughs> oh, Bruce Moore is going to play us out. Actually, before before Bruce starts, though, we should probably acknowledge some of the people that were in the chat, too. So we've got a bunch of people there that weren't in. Like, so we've had Al Hartman, we had Chet Simpson in, uh, yep. Salvador was in, James Jones was in, Davy Mitchell popped in near the end. Uh, Jim Jones. I guess we'll even call and count uh, Jim Brain. Um, even original gamer Stevie Straw. I don't know who that whack job is, but he apparently popped in yeah. for a while. Uh, John Laurie was in. Uh, Jim Franklin. Marota, of course. Chet Simpson. Mikey. Mikey was here. Yep. Ken. Tim Franklin. So yeah, there's a lot of people watching. So uh, thanks, thanks to all of you for putting up with uh, Greg and me. I mean, sorry, granted me. <laughs> Sometime we'll have a lady on here. That'd be good. Sometime. That would be good. Yeah. All right, Bruce, we'll let you play us out. I was just playing along. That was it. Nothing fancy. <laughs> Coco talk music. We can we can do that. We can do the outro. Okay, go ahead and play it. Play it. We'll do the outro to that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I got a confession to make, though, Stevie. I appropriated one of your, uh, uh, one of your uh, little um, singing bites from uh, from Coco Fest last year, and uh, it actually shows up in the end of uh, the last episode of Coco Forever. Ooh. Which what was? The, or now I have now now I'm gonna have to hear it and find out, huh? Yeah, you are. You are. This is. <laughs> Yeah, you uh, you walk past when you walk past the music man. He was playing something. You walk by with your camera and you you sing. Uh, I need a hero or something like that. Okay. 
Yeah, well, it kind of worked. So I actually managed to incorporate it into the Coco Forever theme. Ah, neat, neat. Now I need to hear it. Now you need to hear it. There's another reason. Now, I don't recall my people being contacted for any of this. And, um, <laughs> no. the, the sort of royalties. Yeah, any <laughs> royalties. Like at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Send him your account number. Hope we'll yeah, your people did not talk to my people. So <laughs> That's cool. I can't wait to hear it now. We'll settle up at Cocoa Fest. <laughs> Good. All right. All right, well, I will kill the uh, push the button here. Push the and, button, uh, Frank. We'll see you all next, uh, maybe Thursday or Friday of next week. Happy and Thanksgiving, we'll, and, everybody. And after dark tonight, right? After dark tonight. Yep. Bye bye. All right, have a happy Thanksgiving.